Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Every year in fantasy football and in best ball, there are crazy uncertain situations. Chaos happens. Things we couldn't predict happen. And every single time we look back and we say, man, there was a lot of uncertainty around that situation. And here today, that's what we're going to dive into. How to use some of these uncertain situations or the way the market is reacting to many different situations to your advantage in best ball tournaments to try to take home millions and millions of dollars. Here on Legendary Sickos, Spike Week, and Legendary Upside Crossover, we're going to give you all the keys to all these uncertain situations in 2023 fantasy football. Let's do it. Pat, I wanted to kick off and get this out of the way first, that we are not going to have another 45-minute discussion on DJ Moore and the Chicago Bears uh, as it pertains to this. I imagine the Bears will probably come up at a at a certain point, but for anyone that listened to Ship Chasing the other night, uh, we basically took the first half of the entire show <laughs> to, discuss, to discuss DJ Moore. But actually, that kind of conversation has had me thinking a lot uh, not just from the other night, but kind of the course of this offseason about really like how many situations every single year are like this in in the just regular NFL, right? We're doing it because we're playing this crazy fantasy game or best ball game, but like coaches change and players sometimes get better or worse. Players move teams. We don't know the impact of rookies, right? There's so much that we just can't ever possibly predict it creates all this uncertainty but this game that we play people are very certain that they know how these things are going to play out and so I think kind of diving in and really talking through a lot of these situations can be super helpful because you may have an opinion on something and that may not be a wrong opinion but how you kind of handle that in terms of how you attack your drafts can also be very different for sure. Yeah. Um, and I don't think we need to go too into into DJ Moore because you and I are both kind of in agreement on DJ Moore. So we don't have Ben Gretsch to push back on us and, and tell us <laughs> that we're crazy for continuing yep. to believe in a player we all like. Um, <laughs> yeah, that is true. Yeah. Uh, so, no, but we uh, yeah, I think there's a lot of really kind of interesting situations this year. Um, yesterday, I was because because I think one of the things that's interesting is like some of these situations are more uncertain than we like think you know like if you just look at kind of like the the base rates or whatever or like just like the fundamentals um if you're going to do like kind of a like a just like a screener that that kind of removed some of the the emotions that we have around some of these situations um you would be like well this is a little more uncertain than i would have thought like for example denver right last year was pretty uncertain new yeah, quarterback this is a good one new coach you know how is he going to mesh with everybody? How's it going to work? New kind of new system, right? He's, he's finally a guy who's played in one system his entire career with one team his entire career. And we were like, yeah, but it's not uncertain. Russ is going to crush. 
And, <laughs> you know, we were wrong. So the, the market was actually quite certain, but the situation itself was pretty uncertain. And uh, I was kind of thinking about the Jets is maybe, you know, a similar type of situation where we're not uncertain about the Jets. I'm drafting a lot of uh, Brees Hall still. I mean, that's an uncertain situation. Guys coming off an ACL tear. I'm, I'm still happy to scoop him in third. I think that, you know, Aaron Rodgers will be a big improvement on this offense, just given how bad the quarterback play was last year. But, like, you know, I think I was Kyle Dvorak or someone was, like, pointing this out. Like, they literally have Nathaniel Hackett on this team. Yeah. Like, it is it is literally <laughs> the same situation, and it's very uncertain. Uh, you know, Rodgers is old. He fell off last year after two MVP seasons in a row, but he did fall off. You don't like to see that from an old quarterback. Um and he's bringing in a bunch of new wide receivers with him. The lead running back's coming off an ACL tear. But we're not really afraid of the Jets. The Jets aren't like a super cheap team. So I think in some ways it's like, yeah, it's easy to – we all are in agreement about certain situations being uncertain. But I think it's helpful to think through some of the situations that like maybe are just like objectively uncertain. And we were like, yeah, but don't worry about that one. Right. We have decided. And and the whole point isn't to say like no one out there said, oh, there is there's some level of uncertainty around the Broncos, of course. But the market said, right, 80. We have to use like what the market is saying to drive this. It doesn't mean that there aren't people out there that were like, no, I'm going to fade the Broncos. Like to, if you sure. did that, shout out, shout out, yeah. shout out to you. Job. Like they, they didn't even have anybody <laughs> that we were drafting on <laughs> on the field by the end of the season. Hit me up it's next like, time you know. before you uh, before you nail something like that. Yeah, <laughs> I could use the help there. That's what that's what I every once in a while I message uh, Felix, uh, who won the DraftKings Millie a couple of a couple of years ago because we, we went to high school together. We actually played high school football together. We're the same age from a small town of. 8,000 people kind of they weird. call it best ball town now Let's yeah see. yeah we're challenging what, where are uh, herzig and liam are from uh, the same town in in florida that's what we're going to be the best ball capital of the midwest <laughs> is what muscuda muscuda illinois for everybody but um like he he, he drafted he, he drafted it's going to go up on the welcome welcome to muscuda the best ball <laughs> capital of the midwest um but he so he drafted 75% Cooper Cup. And you and I talked about, it, I think, last week where I, I, I was overweight Cooper Cup. I did like Cooper Cup. I was a believer of Cup over Woods or whatever. And like, was that right, wrong? Did I just get lucky? I really have have no idea. But he, Felix drafted like 75% Cooper Cup. You know, he took that massive stand. And same thing as the Broncos. I'm like, I wish somebody would have told me, like, hey, you'd like this Cooper Cup thing. Let's maybe push our edge uh a, a little bit more but that also was an uncertain situation it was like, yeah and we had matthew stafford coming in to replace jared goff which everybody now that doesn't have the the uh level of kind of risk in my opinion that the rust thing did with a new coaching staff and stuff stafford stafford was to me there was almost no chance it could go worse than it went with goff um, of course, that's that's also a potential a little bit of hubris uh, from me, but I think it was just a little bit different than the Broncos situation. Yeah, but what if the seasons of... were flipped, you know? Yeah. What if exactly. he dealt with an elbow thing this year? We'd be like, oh, my God, they're idiots for getting rid of Goff. Yes. And so there but even the, all that is right to say at that point in time, we didn't know between Cooper Cup and Robert Woods. It, whether one of them was the lead and the other guy was the two, or if it was just going to be, you know, a, a, most of the times it doesn't go like one guy becomes the best guy in fantasy and the other guy fades away yeah. into nothingness. Yeah. You know, we didn't even really totally know about the backfield and just how good the offense was going to be, just how the good the team was going to be. We didn't really know a lot about those Rams, but uh, we handled them 
with a, a different level of kind of certainty. We pushed up by the end, you know, Woods and Cup and everything. I believe it was Acres at that time um, was getting pushed up pretty good as a as a running back. I can't totally remember, but right. anyway. Yeah. Higby Higby was uh you know kind of the, the mid-round tight end type of guy but anyway point being even that we look back and we're, I'm like we would never when we're doing like a retroactive uh discussion about best ball we would never say oh yeah those the Rams that you know we didn't really know what to do with the Rams you know you look back and you're just like yeah they're great Stafford whatever uh type of situation and and I think it does get lost in even a lot of the situations like you said like the Broncos last year that was a lot of like a lot of uncertainty, and we just said no, no, no. This is good. It's Russell Wilson. Yeah. Look at all those. Look at all these wide receivers. This is great. I love them. Yeah, and it's just, it's interesting as well because the Rams, you know, the market was saying like we don't know who to pick of these guys. You know, maybe we're, we're somewhat interested in offense. I mean, you got two wide receivers that are going in like the five six range, I believe, if I remember right. Um, so it's not like they were out on the Rams, but it's like throwing up their hands a little bit, a little bit. I mean, Woods and Cup are going right next to each other. I mean, no one really knew who to pick. Um, You know, if you spread out your exposures, you probably did pretty well. If you went, (laughs) if you tilted towards Woods, you did not. And if you took a big stand, obviously on Cup, it was a massive year. But the market was, was not really deciding winners there. Another little interesting nugget about the Broncos is that the market not only was really in on kind of the whole offense but it was deciding winners too Sutton was going significantly ahead of Judy yeah it was going he was going on like the third round and Judy yep. I think was at the end of the fourth fifth like the four five turn if I remember right so like that was a big that's a big gap um <laughs> and it was also wrong by the way I mean if you wanted anyone from the like Judy was probably the one guy that you know at least he, he did something down the stretch so um and that's another parallel to the Jets where it's not just that people are excited about the Jets. It's that, like, you definitely want Garrett Wilson and not Alan Lazard. You know, we know mm-hmm. for sure, like, that this running back coming off an ACL tear is going to be good. Again, I'm drafting these guys, so I'm potentially making this mistake. But it is, <laughs> it did give me a little pause because I'm like, it, it is quite, it's quite similar. Even, even Rodgers, like, you know, he fell off last year and now it's like, well, he's, he's going to rebound. So don't worry about that. Um, that's one where I'm like, maybe it's a little bit of a blind spot because there's the the optimism and just like the you want to see this offense with with a quarterback who's like making it go um, because we know how talented Garrett Wilson is. We know how talented Brees Hall is if, if he's healthy. But, you know, we don't always get what we want. <laughs> so it made me feel like, you know, that, that was the one that jumped out to me. I was like, huh, I might be I might be hand waving some of the uncertainty a little bit with the Jets. Definitely. And so just super quick, I want to take a, a I want to talk about the Jets a, a little bit more as one of these good, good examples. We'll get into a lot of our 2023 kind of most uncertain situations, or at least like most compelling uncertain situations. Um, we may not get to shout out to the Houston Texans wide receivers. We may not get to a, to a, a John uh, Mechie. I'll, versus, try to, I'll uh, try to squeeze him in. <laughs> yeah, I talk about Nico. Which crappy Texans wide receiver do I have to uh, draft? Uh, yeah, it's is it only Nico? Or we? Do, my my buddy sent me a screenshot of a team he drafted yesterday. He had to backdoor a CJ Stroud Xavier Hutchinson Hutchinson uh, uh, stack, and so yeah, that's how you know. I'm like, maybe let's just skip the stack. <laughs> At that point, just like, take just, Robert Woods or Tank Dell. Yeah, I mean, Xavier Hutchinson like, day three. Yeah, I know, not a very good uh, prospect. 
but so maybe we won't dive too, too deep onto the old Texans wide receiver uncertainty, but there is a lot of uncertainty in that, that, right. That's just one of many situations that we don't really understand, but why, like you might be saying like, why the hell, why, why does this matter? Right. Take a stand, pick your side, pray it works and you're good. But the, the difference is that fantasy football, but particularly basketball is like not really a prediction game. Like if if you want to you know pick the players and how, who's going to produce the best or who's not going to produce relative to what everyone thinks, like there's betting markets that you can, right there's player props. If you think this player is way undervalued by the market, take his over on receiving yards or the, or the opposite, right? If you hate DJ Moore, you think the Bears are never going to pass. You know, there's no way that he can produce at any form of a a, a high level. But just take his under on his 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 catches or his his receiving yards or touchdowns or whatever. That's that's a prediction market. You're trying to predict that the market is wrong or right on on one side. Now, of course, we have to have not necessarily stands, but we we have to assess all these situations, and we all have our own opinions about how they're going to play out. I was in on the Broncos last year. I was one of those believers, right? I, I, how bad could this yeah, be? Too. Type of a type of a, a situation. But the the big thing is like the Broncos are such a good example. When the market and the Jets will be when the market just says this is uncertain, but I don't care. That has to play into your. Or this is uncertain, but the baseline that it's moving from was so bad. Remember the Broncos the year before, right? They had yes. it was like Drew Locke, and it was just like just disaster quarterback play and everything. So it's like, dude, I know. Okay, maybe Russ is falling off a little bit, but he's better than these dudes. Like he he, he just is. So, so like mm-hmm. we should be drafting these guys, you know, like. I don't need to worry about, yes, I understand, you know, he's falling off a little bit, new system, new coach, but like, it's going to be, it's going to be fine. And it it wasn't fine at all. And of course that was a really low end, right? If you're putting in a range of zero to a hundred, what percentile was was that? It was very low, but that's the point. It (laughs) could have crushed. I mean, the uncertainty does also create upside as well. Like, although the issue with the Broncos one is that we, we price those guys pretty high. We price them like, like it was going to crush, which I think is sort of the, I think that's the thing to pay attention to is like, how is the market pricing this? Is the market deciding that that it's going to break one way or the other? And if it is, then and not to say like, Oh, we can't be a part of this. We can't, but you might want to, you know, staking out a a slightly underweight position on on an uncertain offense that the market's decided is going to crush. seems somewhat prudent if you can bring yourself to do it. Exactly. I'm I'm in the midst of finally finishing up a piece. I know you 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 have mentioned kind of going through this as well. You sit down to write something, right? First world problems. You sit down to write something <laughs> and you you start you you get deep into this thing and you you uncover a new subject yeah. or an interesting idea from within there. And this happens to me all the time. This I, is how I wrote my tight end article. I don't think that, I'm ever that, gonna finish the article that started the tight end article, by the way. I don't think I it's that at. good. That's where <laughs> I am at. I started something, then I got to this other idea and I'm like Actually, I think this is the thing. And then you and you, you you start on another one, you restart the whole process. Like I said, first first world problems. But I'm writing about and like Sean Siegel, and this is not a new concept, but it does relate a lot to some of this uncertainty. Uh, just in like using an exploitative draft strategy in best ball as opposed to um I don't know what else I would call it, you know, a uh, reactive, yeah. however you want to call it. Right. So that's why I mentioned on chip chasing that we never actually got to, because all we did was talk about DJ Moore and Sam Howell (laughs) was, was that I think that was me and that was, we were to blame for that. Me and you, it's my fault. It's totally, yeah, it's a hundred percent my fault. Uh, 
<laughs> but yeah, we're all trying to figure out who who did who did this DJ Moore thing. But you this like idea of just let the draft fall to you, right? Take the guys, you know, that make sense in this room. And like to a certain extent, that is still true. But that could mean like you could get overweight on a situation that has a lot of uncertainty and the market has right up oh, Garrett Wilson in four straight drafts fell three picks past ADP. So the draft just said it fell to me. I'm just going to take Garrett Wilson and in a vacuum in any one draft, I don't even necessarily think that's wrong. I like Garrett Wilson too. Uh, clearly we're both just doing the same Broncos thing over again, but like exploit, like being exploitative around uncertain situations in the market can lead you to do different things in your drafts. And so like, if you had said, I'm just going to let stuff fall to me in the draft Broncos seem fine where they're going or whatever. And you just kind of let the draft flow to you and ended up with plenty of Broncos. You didn't exploit a situation that was very uncertain, but the market, like you said, was not pricing it as uncertain. They were pricing it as, you know, we, we firmly believe a, a high, not the ceiling that this whole price that they're ceiling the phrase that we use is silly. They weren't priced at their ceiling, but they're priced at a very high end outcome. It has to go well for them where, where they're going. Um, and so like, you have to balance these things, right? You have to balance uh, again. That's what we talked about last week. Like you got to balance ADP value and right structure and letting the room fall to you. But you also have to balance this macro idea that says, I don't know, man, the market's really believing in the Broncos. Like what happens right, if the right. market is wrong, right? You could have done this with Trey Lance for two years, particularly his rookie season. Like you even got a little bonus period in February. Yeah. You, there's been tons of the only person that you could have just absolutely flat faded and in, in like all of best ball and just crushed is Trey Lance. The market has continued to decide until this year, finally. So now he'll do something. The market right. has decided. Now I actually think he might be worth taking. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I did this with Trey Lance, right? I was like, I know better. Uh, two years ago, I said, this is the kind of guy we want to draft in fantasy. Look at the 49ers. This is the dream. This is the dream, dude. Third overall pick, that archetype, that rushing upside in this offense. They didn't even have CMC then. Now they have, C now they have CMC. It's like, this is the dream. But the market agreed that like, I'm willing to yeah. pay whatever for this guy because the because look at what he could do. If you took the opposite side of that, even though your belief was Lance is the kind of guy I want to draft, that you were you were absolutely exploiting this market's total inefficiency on on Trey Lance. And so you can like you also get another situation. Team. Again, I am drafting Anthony Richardson. I like Anthony Same thing. Richardson. Even even at his elevated price, I think he's still a pretty good pick. Um, partly because I think he's going to move up. I think he's going to end up being like kind of late sixth rounder by the end of the, the end of this. Um, but you know, you get that same bet rookie quarterback, pretty raw passer, you know, um, we're, we're buying in a lot to the coach here. The co oh, the coach <laughs> coach is so good. He'll, he'll don't worry about those red flags. He can't, he can't seem to hit a guy five yards away from him. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So it's, uh, again, this is maybe like, um, I don't know. The fact that I'm like continuing to bet on all the the uh, the closest comparables that we can find for these uh, failed situations is maybe not uh, is not making me feel that great. But I mean, that is if you wanted to bet against Anthony Richardson, uh, I think you're getting a similar bet to to the Lance bet, which is which is paid off spectacularly. Richardson <laughs> isn't quite as expensive as Lance got to, right? Correct. Um, right. Or as a Ian rookie, quarterback is, he... is more. Ian quarterback is is more expensive. So. 
Um, yeah, that is. I know Lance was like a, what seventh round last year, but what, what was he as a rookie? I don't. Remember. Similar. He got to the he got to the same thing as a rookie. Okay. He well, the one difference I guess is you know it was a very different time in best ball. Like we only had best ball mania back then. You know, basically all all summer, and so Lance did start very low actually back then. Like Lance was it was a good pick in my opinion when like drafts opened and stuff. Like you were getting him in like the thirteenth round or something at like the very beginning of BBM that summer. The problem was he became, you know, the Sky Moore of quarterbacks. He became whatever the the trendiest guy, the Marquez Callaway, yeah. <laughs> the Marquez Callaway of quarterbacks that shoots up ten rounds or whatever. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, and you know, then it, it got out out of hand. And my problem was I kept buy, kept buying all the way up to the to not necessarily maybe at the exact top because I my bags were packed so heavily already by then. But like I didn't stop, you know, in the eighth round or whatever. Richardson has that at least a little bit that he was going lower, but like not, we never really got that big of a discount on him because everybody's been, you know, we're crazy. We, in the, we know in the about big board and other tournaments, but you're not in the yeah, same yeah. tournament that you're you're in now. Correct. You're not exactly. dealing with teams that have super cheap Richardson. Not really. Do you think I'm just looking at the ADP just while I'm thinking about it. Speaking of un- uncertainty around like ADP, I mean, ADP shifting and stuff like that can be very uncertain and being able to predict that. Right. If you predicted the Lance rise, you would just say, well, he's in the 12th round right now. I think he's going to get crazy steamed. I'm just going to take some now and not worry about it um, later. Do you think so? I'm just looking. Deshaun Watson goes, uh, you know, as the QB nine. Richardson is the QB 10. They're pretty close to each other within less than six picks. But then after that, you know, you got to get all the way up to Lawrence as the QB eight. And he goes in. He goes at 62. So there's a huge gap there. So is your thought process that a Richardson probably jumps Watson and then kind of fills this void in the draft where we have two rounds of no quarterbacks basically, or how are you kind of thinking about that? I think Lawrence comes down some, um, I don't really, I mean, the Lawrence bet to me is not, I mean, it's not an uncertain situation. It's a pretty stable situation, but we are banking on him to take another step forward for that for that really that ADP to make any sense. And I guess there is some uncertainty with how Calvin Ridley fits in this right. offense after a couple of years off. I mean, we're, we're like, Oh, he's going to fit in great. He's going to fit. In I so know good. we're, you know, third, four, three, four turn late third, really ADP and uh, not worried about it. He's going to definitely be ahead of, of Christian Kirk. Uh, we don't have to see a single snap from anything <laughs> to, to feel very mm-hmm. comfortable making that bet. Um, he's going to be a huge boost to Trevor Lawrence, obviously. So we can go ahead and take Trevor Lawrence, uh, basically a pocket passer, you know, right. way ahead of these other 200, 200 yards yeah. or something like that. Yeah. I mean, he he's mobile, but he's not a dual threat by any means. No. Um, and so we are bet like we need a very efficient passing season from Trevor Lawrence. So that that's not like really the the reason that quarterback ADP is so efficient is that we have identified the few guys in the league who are just like absolute superstars like Mahomes and Josh Allen. Um, and then we have fully understood now how important rushing is at the quarterback position, but Lawrence doesn't really fit that. So I, I think, I mean, he could, we're, we're making the bet that he basically becomes like another superstar passer, which is in right. the range of outcomes for sure. But it does strike me that we're like a, maybe a little out of our skis on Lawrence. I think he falls a little bit. Um, I think Richardson and and Watson probably start to move up a bit because I wonder if Watson, I mean, 
I think they're, we're probably going to hear stuff about them throwing more and playing more three wide receiver sets and kind of building offense around him. I think we probably hear that drum beat continue. Oh, this is going to be new look Browns this year. Oh, we're seeing way more, way more three wide receiver sets in training camp, all that stuff because mm-hmm. they, they have to, they have to like, I mean, they got, they have like a lot of egg on their face with this Watson thing right now. They have to dig out of that um, or everybody's getting fired there. So I, I think they build that offense around him a bit more this year. Um, right. And He's if we not start going to hear anywhere, stuff, but the coaching yeah. staff will all be gone if the, he fails. And and the front office. I mean, they like yeah. they'll clear house, I think. Like for real. So yeah, I, I would I mean that's not necessarily a reason to be like super in on Watson, but I just I think we're gonna hear stuff about them like being a bit more of an open offense. We already have a little bit, and I think that type mm-hmm. of stuff continues. So my guess is that this big gap that we're seeing now, um, kind of tightens in both directions as Lawrence moves down a little bit and Watson and Richardson moves up. I don't know that anyone will jump anybody necessarily, but uh, I think they'll all be kind of closer. And I do think that also makes sense because uh, we just generally don't get huge, like multi-round gaps of not having quarterbacks. Um, I'm not saying that's right, wrong, or or whatever, but you just generally don't get one guy going at 60 and then the next quarterback going in the mid-80s just because, like, they're stacking elements. There's people love to fill out their starting lineup elements. And also this year in particular, we've outlined this a ton. Once you get past, you know, Mark Andrews, Lamar, you do get to Calvin Ridley, Amari Cooper, and, like, all the way down to Tyler Lockett or something like that where it's like, I don't know, man, there's – 30 picks here and these guys all look the same to me. And so it kind of quarterbacks can be the the way that people get right. out of sort that. a tear break thing. Like a tear's yep. broken. I'm going quarterback here. Right. Exactly. I kind of think that's why Herbert will continue to live where he always lives is because he's plopped right in the middle of that wide receiver at that draft dead zone. It's not even just it's wide real receiver. easy to take Herbert. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you can get him with, with Keenan or Mike Williams if you want to, but um. What I was, was just going to say is look, there are going to be an infinite amount of these these situations, and you can't possibly nail, right, the best player take person, the best football, like hand-in-the-dirt football analyst that plays best ball or fantasy football is going to whiff on so many of these situations that your whole goal can't be, I know better about every single one of them. You may know better about certain ones of them, but the easiest way to win at best ball at this game is more so of a market manipulation tactic, right? If you just said these people are crazy with this Broncos stuff, what if it fails? You just wipe them all out of your, your player pool. That was a big edge. Or just take an underweight stance, you know, like don't, don't make it a huge part of your, I think the other thing with the Broncos too. um, And I don't know that we have this type of thing this year. Um, Let me know if something comes to mind, but the, Broncos played the Chiefs in week 17. Oh, yeah. So you yeah. also had the like, I got to get this game. So Definitely. you're push. So it's like this uncertain situation. Like, not only is it going to work out, but it's like when it does work out, it's going to win me all the money because they play the Chiefs in week 17. Like, and then naturally, even if you don't really believe in the Broncos, but you believe in the Chiefs, which was pretty good bet, you're bringing back a Bronco, you know, in a lot of cases. Mm-hmm. So I don't know that we have that type of situation because like this the premier game this year is is the Bengals and the Chiefs and that doesn't really have any 
true uncertainty to it. I mean, the Chiefs wide receiver situation or whatever, but we but should talk really. about the Chiefs. We should talk about the Chiefs wide receiver situation because that one is also one of the most uncertain situations in all of football. Um, but two things the market has done that I find interesting. A, of course, Travis Kelsey is there, so it's not. We can't compare it to like the Panthers wide receiver uncertainty where like, you know, they, they just don't have anybody. We're trying to figure out how the pecking order works out. Obviously Travis Kelsey is the man here and we kind of do understand what the run, the, the backfield looks like between Pacheco McKinnon and then CEH as kind of the, the two B or something like that. Right. He, I, I, I've grown to draft a smidge of CEH, uh, which we'll get to in this kind of Bengals chiefs conversation. If something happens, I don't get any chiefs. Maybe I have a zero running back team. He really he he is the third running back, and I think people view him that way, and probably should. But I like the guys where he's the third. But like if something happens to McKinnon, that's good for him. He can do and also, thing. and if something happens to Pacheco, that's good for him. Um, he won't do anything when both of them are healthy. But if either one of them go down, he has a path. So um, I'll, we'll, we'll toss Ch into this whole kind of crazy Chiefs discussion. But the market has decided. And I agree with the premise. This is the same thing. I'm buying this guy too. Literally every player that we're talking about is a theme of uncertainty. Uh, our players I'm buying, but Kadarius Tony, right? He to me. He's so I'm actually cool. not really buying Tony. So this yeah. one's kind of interesting. Yeah. So this one will be interesting. He's to me. He's definitely the most talented and the best bet out of all the the Chiefs wide receivers to be the guy that pops. But the market has decided him going in the 70s. Uh, and the next Chiefs wide receiver is, I think, still Sky Moore going in the mid to late 120s. Rashi Rice goes in a similar spot, and then you get MVS in the 150s. Richie James, undrafted. Um, if there's anybody else, you know, Justin Watson or whatever, undrafted. But the market has made a very clear pecking order in Tony, yeah. and then Sky versus Rice, I think, will work itself out. I think Rice might end up passing Sky. I think he probably but- flips him, but... That'll, I think that'll be a little bit news-based to some yeah, extent. Yeah, definitely. And then MVS and then nobody else. And like, I, I could sit here and make a case that we should bet on Richie James over Kadarius, over Kadarius Tony. And one guy goes on, I mean, I'm being a little bit hyperbolic, but one guy goes undrafted and one guy goes in the seventh round. And, and yet I also have fallen into a trap myself personally that I can see this upside. I don't want to call it a trap into this discussion point. Clearly, this guy, first round pick, has been efficient no matter when he's been on the field. And they're, you know, second year, right? They traded for him in in season. I, we can make every case in the book to say why Tony didn't pop last year, right? Wide receiver changing teams during the middle of the year, blah, 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 blah. Hurt never all the, the time. Field. Oh, yeah. Never, never. So, like, he doesn't get to practice, nonetheless, get to play. So, how could he ever get up to speed? Now he has the whole offseason, right? He's the most talented guy here, blah, 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 yeah. blah, blah. Everyone understands that. But, like, there's not that much certainty. Like there is nowhere near this amount of certainty as to who, like it could be sky second year breakout. It could be rushy, right? We could all be wrong about rushy rice and Patrick Mahomes could be right. You know, like that's possible. It could be, like I said, it could be Richie James at the very back end. It could be Deandre Hopkins, right? It, we have no idea how this thing is going to break out, but we're very certain about Tony. And I do think I have been admittedly kind of trying to assess my Tony thing because I think I'm being, I am being just a little lazy, like, Oh, yep. I think, I think he's the best bet here. So I don't care about the price. Um, And I'm trying to be a little smarter about that moving forward. Hence this show. (laughs) Yeah. I think Tony's um, like a straight up bad pick. I think he's a bad pick, but 
I think he's like the counter argument to that is that yeah, but if he's a good pick, he's gonna crush. If you're like, his if price I'm wrong, is not right. His price can't yeah. be right. He's one of these guys to me. Yeah, if I'm wrong that he's a bad pick, then he could be an amazing pick, and that's why I'm like, I, you're not gonna see me like running around Twitter telling everybody stop drafting Kadarius Tony, okay? Because I don't, <laughs> I don't need those receipts hanging out there. I mean, it's, yeah. it's uh, the type of pick where I mean the upside is definitely there. I mean, it's there in a big way. Kadarius Tony is like a super talented athlete, but I mean, if you just want to look at like who had a better season last year. And like we're we just like know they're gonna get the same amount of routes. Like, I think I'd bet on Richie James. <laughs> I think I bet on Richie James. Like, I mean, again, that's like kind of a I'm trying to hit like a single or or maybe a double as opposed to a home run. So I don't even 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 saying that is is tough because Richie James is just never gonna have those high high end outcomes that Kadarius Tony has. But um. And actually, the framing I gave is probably poor because my one of my big issues with Tony is that I am worried about how many routes he gets to run. Mm-hmm. And I'm worried about, like, this Chiefs team, they may have decided, like, look, the rest of the league is convinced that you have to have these really high-paid superstar wide receivers, you know, and that's great because we were able to get a ton of draft capital back for Tyree Kill uh, and not have to pay him all the money. And then win a Super Bowl without him. But like, what if we just like have a rotation of dudes who are good at various different things? And so the fact that, you know, Tony, I think Tony's definitely going to have his little package of plays and do some cool Tony stuff. But I'm just I'm just pretty worried that he's more than, you know, even as a hit, like a 65 percent route rate type of guy, maybe compare him to as a hit kind of Antonio Brown with the Buccaneers. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that kind of guy. I mean, and look, he can pay off his current ADP even if he only runs sixty-five percent of the routes of Patrick Mahomes because he is that talented, um, which makes it which makes it nervous makes me nervous about it. But you know, he could also he could he could genuinely have like a forty percent route rate this year or lower. Yeah, this the range is crazy wide. They, they they have enough bodies. They don't need him. Now they may need him to like truly access the ceiling, right? Like you said, they definitely. I would almost a hundred percent guaranteed never want to do this, especially on a show about uncertainty. But like you said, assuming health, he has some form of a package of gadgety plays or whatever. Like that's the floor. The floor is he's just this little gadget back. Kind of like we saw down the stretch last year, right? Even in the Super Bowl, he he, he scores, but he didn't play, basically. That is right. the floor. That's a really fucking low floor for a guy going 70th overall. Like that's a real that's a high. I mean, so one thing to think about with like what you're paying for players is like what you need from various points in the draft. And if you have a pick, you know, in the seventies and the guy basically doesn't do anything for most of the year, it's going to really hurt your chances of advancing. It really is. If you, if that guy moves back to like the 11th round or the 12th round, all of a sudden it's a different bet. Like, yeah, you probably need him to do something, you know, other than just contribute a spike week in the playoffs. But like you could have him not play for six weeks, you know, mm-hmm. not like come on down the stretch and have like a few really good games. Like his what you're asking from that pick is like materially different 
when you move from like the seventh to the eleventh, I think. And yep. Tony, Tony's price is like a core contributor price. A guy who you like need to be like a key part of your team week in, week out. And that's not what he profiles as. He profiles as like, yeah, I mean, certainly in this highest end outcomes, he could he could be that guy, but he I mean he just wasn't like involved last year. Like he ran five routes in the Super Bowl. He ran three routes in the conference championship game. <laughs> I mean, like, you know, we would want, we want to see, like he had eight routes. You know what I mean? Like you're like, Oh dude, he could go out there and get eight targets. It's like, well, he's had eight routes in his last com- <laughs> two games combined. Like that seems actually pretty, pretty implausible to me that he would have eight targets in a game. He's, he's, he's averaging half the routes needed for that. Uh, even if Imagine the targets per rate. route run, bros. If he uh, did rack up eight targets <laughs> yeah. on eight routes, hundred percent target per route run, dude. <laughs> He's the best wide receiver in the league. Where would he go? Yeah, where would he get drafted if he ran eight routes and got eight targets in the the final two games? I think he'd be the one hundred one based on his current <laughs> price. I honestly do. I mean, <laughs> but. It's it is kind of it's kind of crazy to me that he's being priced where he's at. Um, it does strike me as a situation where the market is saying, "I am not going to get burned by the upside here. You are not going to make yeah. me feel bad that I didn't have enough Kadarius Tony. I will have enough Kadarius Tony, and I guess like I'm just gonna I'm not going to have enough Kadarius Tony. I know that. I, I'm not going to full fade him because of everything we've talked about with the with the upside. I mean, if he was out there running a full slate of routes, like I. I'm going to have a bad 2023 if Kadarius Tony runs Correct. a full slate of routes. He, so I, I will have some exposure. I may try to get like, I've talked, uh, Liam Murphy's talked about this, like trying to prioritize some guys in like your high stakes teams. If, if you're like going to be underweight them, if you just have a tough time clicking them, like maybe prioritize the click in like, if you're going to, if you're going to play, you know, if you have a couple teams that you're playing a little bit bigger with, maybe get that guy there. You know, if, if he's a guy like Tony, where you're like, ah, the right, upside right, really right. scares me. The not really Brandon Cooks last year, right? Like I didn't have any that, that that's that's kind of the ar- argument. I'm not I'm not even trying to like dunk on Brandon Cooks, but Brandon Cooks was like a volume play on a bad team that didn't have target yeah. competition. Have conviction, don't just like yeah. use your high stakes to spread out your shit. But I'm saying <laughs> I'm saying like if I might do that with Tony, where I'm like, well, let me let me basically hedge. Let me hedge a little mm-hmm. bit. Because I, I have a I have a hard time clicking Tony. And often I don't even like have the chance to click him because i'm like what happened to tony he's not even he's not even here <laughs> like he goes he, people are like reaching for this dude ahead of an adp that i think is is a little preposterous so yeah there's also, my tony you also, also do get a little bit of the uh the week 17 issues with him that it's just never gonna fall because there's no that's, other chief that goes anywhere near him <clears throat> i guess pacheco kind of does but people don't really love Isaiah Pacheco, not certain you can't dream about Pacheco upside like you can dream about Tony's upside. And then you got all the Bengals that go in front of him. You got Kelsey and Mahomes that go in front of him. So I just don't see and, and he he is that kind of a guy that I don't think falls. And and he's the perfect example of of exact what you said is what kind of my plan to do moving forward is I've been just kind of taking him when it made sense on probably those chalky ass Bengals, Bengals teams or or whatever. I take him with Mahomes. I I definitely want him stacked for sure. When or when I need to shoot the moon at wide receiver. Right. So I recently uh, I mentioned to you and and I haven't really told anybody yet, but I, I maxed the poodle too. And I drafted all hyper fragile teams. And so I do push my limits a little bit more on hyper, right? I'm not taking RB, 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 RB to start to start the draft. My preferred hyper fragile, which I learned in this experiment, was kind of two of the early guys. 
um, you know, before I include Brees in that, not really ETN, but um, from Brees, you know, all the way up to, to CMC, if I can get two of those guys and then two in this, like I don't know, 10th round to 12th round pocket, which is, uh, very highly variant, but my favorite guys there are like Damian Harris, Rashad Penny, Antonio Gibson, or whatever. Kind of get two of those guys, and then two of the studs is something that has really worked well for me personally in hyper fragile. But you run into, like you said, well, two issues. One, you run into, I need wide receiver upside because, I mean, God forbid you detour at quarterback or tight end or something, too. Your wide receivers are horrible when you do that. Uh, you know, you got Mike Evans, wide receiver two or something. Mm-hmm. So you do need you do need home run swings on some of those teams. And he is more of a home run swing than some of the other guys that go around him. And he's a legit home run swing. Like he could, yeah. I mean, he's scary. Like he could be, you know, kind of Tyreek Hillish, you know, he's not as fast as Hill, but like the dude can make people miss. He's like really dangerous in the open field. He gets open quickly. He's like Deontay Johnson, but like fun after the catch, you know? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. That's a, that's a pretty good comp, and he got, happens to go pretty close to Deontay Johnson, and that's kind of the difference. I don't, I don't, I don't dislike Deontay Johnson, but Deontay Johnson is not ever going to go, you know, at in the beginning of the second round or the one-two turn or something like that. Like, it's a vi- that's a very unlikely thing, of course, for anyone. But like Kadarius Tony emerging, running eighty percent of the routes, and being the man behind, the, you know, the man in the wide receiver group, the man behind Travis Kelsey in this offense is like. A second round pick. Look what I we mean, just did to Garrett, Garrett Wilson. Look what we've done to Chris Olave and those guys. T- who's Tony to say he's behind back. Travis Kelsey entering twenty twenty four? Yeah, you're you're certain he's Correct. behind thirty five year old Travis Kelsey after this after that nope. breakout season that just buried Pat Corain. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. We have to cancel this show. All we're doing is telling everybody to stop drafting Kadarius Tony, and then after, in the same breath, we're like, well, he could be a first round pick next year after after uh, Kadarius Tony just buried your former co host of Legendary Sickos. <laughs> <laughs> you get the 404 error when you go to uh the special that we're running yeah but uh <laughs> but th- this is the this is to me is like the hardest part of like and why the uncertainty conversation is so important is because we can both understand that the floor on this guy is absurdly low and the uncertainty is through the roof he said he could just run five routes most weeks for like that's possible the other end is that he basically is a, you know, a mini me version of Tyreek Hill and you're getting a first round ish, you know, a guy who we're considering at the, you know, in the first, second round heading into next year, particularly like you mentioned with the Travis Kelsey issues and you're getting him in the seventies right now, uh, which is kind of what happened with Stefan Diggs. If you, if you remember with the, with the bills, we got Stefan Diggs in this range. Now he's been a, an annual first yeah, round yeah. pick ever ever since i'm not trying to compare the situations or the players or anything but i'm just saying that's that's what can happen and so how do you weigh like for for people listening like it's up to each person pat's like i'm gonna make sure i just don't get totally boxed out of tony but i don't want to take some big stand but like that's up to you to figure out like this guy is a home run swing but like if you watch baseball he's he's joey gallo like it's a home run or you're striking out buddy like there's not a lot of in between and you have to figure out how you want to handle all those situations because it also can't just be, Oh my God, there's so much risk and there's so much uncertainty. So I, it, it can't, that can't be the only thing. The upside case does matter, but the price is really important and you have to factor all these things in and it's very tough. Yeah. And I mean, the thing for me with Tony and the reason that I'm just like, I am trying to be price conscious with this stuff is like, it is easy to get, I think swept up in some of the upside cases, you know, the upside, 
it's easy to dream on upside and it's fun to dream on upside. And that's like kind of like half the reason we're playing fantasy football is to be like, not just enticed by the upside, which is like fun in its own right to just, you know, kind of dream about, Oh, I drafted this guy. It's going to be the next Tyree kill. It's going to be so good. It's going to be a first round pick next year. But then like that stuff does sometimes happen. And it's like the best feeling in the whole world. You know, mm-hmm. you actually predict mm-hmm. it. Um, but for me, like with Tony and the, the reason I'm, I'm trying to like stay price conscious um, as like the mob just overruns me and I'm you know, trampled <laughs> by, by all the Kadarius Tony uh, looters. Uh, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm like looking at his college production profile. I mean, the guy basically didn't play for his first three years at Florida. And then uh, he did not have a particularly impressive senior season in terms of his market share numbers. He had uh, a 23% dominator rating, which is like fine, but not a breakout season. And he was a fourth year player. Uh, Then he was drafted in the first round, which uh, surprised me famously. (laughs) Um, And and then uh, he came into the league and immediately drew a, a lot of targets. He had 53 targets on 196 routes, which is awesome. Um, what is that? That is a 27% target per route run. That's great. He did it on a very shallow A dot, 6.5 A dot. So, you know, that's a little less impressive. He's, you know, very much of an underneath target kind of guy. But hey, you know, get those routes up. And now we're talking. But then his team immediately gives up on him. New coaching yeah. staff comes in and says, don't want this guy. And they trade him, what, for a third round pick to a new, new team. He only runs a total of 103 routes all of last year. His ADOT drops to 3.5, so he's even more of kind of an underneath guy. And at that point, you know, low routes and super low ADOT screams sub-package type of dude, you know. Which is what he was. He runs a lot of the – they do tons of the jet motion, stop motion, all that kind of stuff. Like they would do it with Tyreek. And they get these freaks who are – well, Tyreek is obviously one of the best wide receivers. But like McColl never figured out how to play wide receiver. Tony may not ever figure out how to play wide receiver. When you're that fast and that – like – He's known as the human joystick. Like that's his nickname. Tony, yeah, yeah. Because he, he can just stop and start. And so that's, a, he's a, it's the perfect gadget skill set. but like we need more than that. Yeah. We need, we need a lot more than that at this price. And that, that's my concern. And we've seen like Miko Hardman has always been kind of, you know, very efficient on his, on his targets and, you know, but it's never scaled. And we like we also know Andy Reid's like the master of designing up various plays and stuff. So that's just where <clears throat> and I look at the whole picture on Kadarius Tony, I'm like the the concern coming in was that he was going to be a a gadget player who didn't run a run a lot of, of routes. That was that's the concern the coming perception in. Perception was of him. Yeah. And yeah. that's kind of what he was in college even. It was right. kind of a gadgety player, yeah. And now he lands with like the the gadget genius. You know, the guy who's going to like be happiest to have a gadget player um, and has been a gadget player like his entire career. You know, he's only played two years. So I'm just like this. This red flag is like really red. <laughs> this is about <laughs> as red as it gets. And it's pretty big, you know. So I think the market is overlooking it. Like they're really overlooking the red flag. So again, I will I will hedge this this uh, this fade mm-hmm. take, but that's why I'm willing to make it right because I don't want to these uncertain situations. Um, you know, it, with the DJ Moore one, I'm willing to overlook some red flags. You know, there's and there's certain cases where I think overlooking red flags is is the way way we want to go. Uh, 
but it is price dependent. And yeah. I think it also should be based on kind of your evaluation of the overall situation, how low the floor is, how likely the ceiling outcomes are. Um, and then the, is the price changes trying to like reevaluate? Cause look, if, if Tony dropped to the ninth round, that would still honestly feel like a little like, Oh man, I'm taking on some risk with this guy. But at yeah. that point I'd be like, okay, one, he was way more expensive earlier. So I'm getting this cheaper Tony. I like that Two, The ceiling is massive. What am I really giving up a wide receiver? Like Zay flowers, Rashad Bateman. Like exactly. If this dude hits, he's going to crush those guys, you yes. know, and I like Bateman and flowers is, I think somewhat interesting. So like all of a sudden that upside component would, would matter a lot more to me. And I'd say, you know, if, if the floor hits here, it doesn't hurt me as much because the price drops, but I think, in this range, in these kind of like late single digit, early double digit range, that's an area of the draft where we do tend to see guys like move pretty big based mm-hmm. on hype. Yeah. It's a Sky yep. Moore thing, right? Sky Moore comes up from like the 12th all the way to the 8th. That doesn't even feel like that big of a range because you're kind of like, ah, there's no one I love here or whatever. But like it is. That is a very big range. That might be like a doubling of value if you think about things from an auction perspective, right? Right. Like if. that would be you know potentially someone who's going for like six dollars going to 12 i was gonna say five to ten bucks yeah you go from five to ten bucks or whatever yep yeah i mean that's you're paying twice as much it doesn't feel like it but you're paying twice as much for the same guy so um you know and in in any given draft turn right if tony were to fall to me that's why i think falling adp value is so important because you're like hey you know especially in that range of the draft like you might be you might be paying like eight bucks for for a twelve dollar player if a guy falls far enough. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. So anyway, I, being price conscious, I think particularly in this range with uncertain guys is important. Um, just one thing to extend the Tony and the the Chiefs talk just to conceptually how you can use this not just with the Chiefs but in in any other situation as well. I, I am kind of moving forward, going to be drafting a bunch of these other guys. Um, and as crazy as it sounds, Richie James has been kind of the guy who talk to me about is... Richie James. Cause like he, his numbers last year were good. Um, quite good. Yeah. I have like a model that looks at these, uh, some of the efficiency numbers and stuff. And like, I have to tell it to chill, to chill out on Richie James. Cause it wants to be like Richie, Richie James is a smash. And I'm like, no, he's not. Cause we don't know. He's going to actually play. So chill out. I know. So what I will say is they're very hard and then more, more uncertainty issues. We, we just built out some projections like team level. But so what we, instead of doing like for a full season, we're projecting it like a week. Here's what your weekly projection is Um, like net neutral matchup, assuming everybody's healthy. Right. So like we put Jamison Williams in, we have Javante Williams in, we have Brees Hall in, we're just assuming everyone's healthy. And so with the Chiefs, that's very difficult because, like you said, we got to give Tony a certain level of routes. We got to give, right, Richie James some or zero routes. What do you do with MBS? What do you do with Rice versus Sky, et cetera? So it's very difficult. But you can also start to play around with those things. And then I like to play around with them in, like, visually, conceptually, how do they fit together? And so, like, I'm envisioning this. If Tony is not, a th- I think Richie James became this idea of this. He is my bet against Tony. So if I'm not taking Tony in the seventh round mm. or whatever, or sixth round, Richie James is kind of this beneficiary because 
Like if we think about why. So MVS is MVS. In my opinion, MVS is the one that has the stable role. Exactly how many routes and stuff is, is a little bit of a different story, but he's the blocker of the crew. He's the downfield threat of the crew. He's the old reliable guy. You mentioned Tony never running any routes in the playoffs in the conference championship. All the other guys got hurt and like everybody was hurt. MVS never left the field and MVS had his best game of right. the season. He actually bailed them out in the playoffs. He's the, just the reliable guy. We don't have to like him or whatever, but I feel fairly confident from a main projection. He's there. So you put him on the outside and then I, I'm starting to lean more to Rice as like almost the best bet as the other main outside wide receiver in three wide receiver sets. Sky can change that. Of course, Tony, Tony can change that. But I think even though Tony is that low A dot guy, he's actually been a lot more historically on the outside. And the low A dot is a yeah, good he's not a stuff. slot player necessarily. He, yes. Yeah. And and Sky He's more like Zay be. Jones or something that way. Correct. Right? Like he yeah. Or just I don't I think it's easy to say, oh, look at his low ADOT. He fits in the slot. And it's like, he's not Rondale Moore. I know that they're like both gadgety type players, but Rondale is a slot receiver. He can only play slot, whatever. Richie Even James, with the Chiefs, I, he played uh, 60% of his snaps out wide last perfect. year, 36% in the slot. And so I think Richie James, right, if we're making this bet that Tony can't take that leap, theoretically it could, it could be Sky, but Richie James feels like the slot version of MVS for them to me is like, like you said, Super efficient last year, produced in a situation where they needed some wide receivers to be reliable, to be reliable over the middle of the field. And like he's never going to play, you know, full snaps and full on, uh, you know, on the outside. But the Chiefs, that's it, fine. It's the Chiefs. They're going to play tons of multi wide receiver sets. And like if Tony doesn't do it, Richie James feels like that best bet to me. Of course, like I said, I'm discounting Sky a little bit in this, so he's where you could kind of go wrong. But Rushy Rice is an outside wide receiver, right? Justin Watson, Justin Ross, all these other guys are outside players. So if Tony is not the slot, which we're talking about, Tony is really not even a slot wide receiver. You have Richie James and Sky Moore competing kind of for the, mm. the slot snaps. And like as bad as Sky was last year, I'm not counting him out, but it's almost like, we're putting Sky at in the 120s and we're putting Richie James. Richie James doesn't even get drafted in, in most drafts. I feel like that gap is a little bit too wide when you start to break down the, like when you start like these, we have to put these guys into roles on the offense. It's not just like a spreadsheet, right? Sending out the who's playing the slot. And it's like, you get there and you're like, shit, it's probably gotta be Sky or Richie James. And so now if I'm betting against Tony and I'm betting Sky wasn't very good on this veteran who was good last year, it, it, the stars are kind of aligning for him to me. So I'm, I've been using that as kind of like, okay, this is a way for me to get away from Tony, but I can still win on this situation. Maybe not the same, you know, I, he, Richie James not going to be a second round pick, but like if he's as good as he was last year on the giants and now he's on the chiefs, he can be a pretty damn big hit in the 18th round of drafts. Yeah, he can. Um, and I don't know. I mean, I think one of the things that's tough about the uncertain situation stuff too, is that like, when you're swimming against the the current on it, I think it can really you really feel the uncertainty in a in a way that makes you not want to go in. Yeah. But when you're with the herd, it's like you've we've all convinced ourselves that you know the Broncos last year wasn't an uncertain situation. We don't need to worry about that. This is certain. We know we can do this. We're all together. We're not idiots. <laughs> and you know you feel good. And I think with like 
you know, like Justin Watson was drafted. I just checked. Uh, he was drafted 891 times last year. Uh, you know, that's not very many times. No. <laughs> yeah, I think that's right. That's the numbers I have from the. Actually, that's probably too low. Draft. Uh, that, that's. I think that's a bad stat that I just gave. But he was not drafted a lot. Um, and so, but he he advanced at a high rate. Uh, not just overall, but to the finals because he uh, was tied to Patrick Mahomes all the time. He didn't really do a ton, but like if you have Mahomes and you tackle on that 18th round guy, who's like going to uh, at least be correlated and has some chance of, of being in the mix, like what you need out of that pick, you know, it could be nothing and you still are fine. And if you get something now we're talking. And I think like, if you're if you're scared of that uncertainty, which I think you kind like I kind of am sometimes. I'm like, uh, but is he even gonna play? I'd just rather take Tony, so much more exciting, you know. I know. Or I'd rather I take know. Sky Moore, who like, you know, I can I can see it. I can see the mm-hmm. but but more costs a lot more, you know, like more is gonna be uh a, a a guy who hurts your advance rates if you do not now he's not so expensive that he's really gonna hurt if he doesn't do much, but you need something. You need something from Sky Moore where he's going, or it's going to hurt a bit. Um, Richie James, I haven't really been taking Richie James, but I think I'm going to start because it's like one of those situations where, like, you know, he he was good enough last year. He got some guaranteed at half about half a million dollars guaranteed money on a uh, like two million dollar contract. Uh, no, one point two million dollar contract with five hundred and fifty two thousand guaranteed. Um, so he probably makes the final roster and he's good last year and he fills the need for them. So like if he, so that's the thing of like, again, with this price stuff, it's like, if he happens to have one spike week for you and it's well-timed, we're all going to talk about him as like the guy you had to have. That's how little we need out of those types of, those types of picks. Here's one more final thing on the Richie James, uh, hype machine. If you recall, they tried to make Sky more a return man last year and it failed spectacularly he fumbled multiple punts if i remember correctly um they're trying to get the ball in his hands and get uh get you know get the kid some some action richie james has been a return man um in in his career and a decent one uh so i think that that could also get him onto the you know even if he's not right even if he's not uh earning that slot role maybe sky does or whatever I, i think I feel I everything that you just start to look through, you're like, well, is he gonna make the team? Like that that that's that's the scary thing about an uncertain kind of veteran at the back end of the Chiefs wide receiver room. But I think there's, you know, the return stuff, what he did last year, the fact that they don't really have any slot receivers, you know, blah, blah, blah. They got all these guys to play on the outside and they got all these tight ends too. Um, they just don't really have his his skill set. And so um I, I'm also gonna be hammering him quite a bit here i think over the next little bit but let's hit a couple more before we get out of here a couple more uh kind of by the way i think the stat that i may have gave on justin watts might have been the playoff rosters not the total drafted i just pulled up i'm seeing 891 as well i just don't know if that is uh it just says drafted count and so i don't know yeah but but jefferson's is at thirty-seven thousand six hundred. um and obviously there was uh so what's well, that, that should be right, right? There were because it there were four hundred and something thousand teams. Is that correct? It was four hundred fifty-one thousand two hundred teams. 
And so he should be 8%, whatever that, that should be 8% of the well, he should be drafted in every in every one of them. Oh, yeah, you're oh, right. Those are the teams, no, no, right? So the drafts teams, are that divided by 12. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. Got it. So 891 is the correct. Okay, so that's right. He was drafted 891 times. So it's a correct stat. Wow. And somebody made and somebody made the finals with him. <laughs> he made it. He made that. He made one finals team, I think. No, he made he made, four. He made four. He was on. He, he was on four, four finals. <laughs> that's what tells you. You just hit on. He did. He he did nothing, but he, he was correlated to the right to the right guys. Now imagine that. And he does if, something. Now, if, now if, imagine if that, and something. it's good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Only yeah. eight hundred ninety-one Justin Watson teams, and four of them made the best ball mania finals. But I, I also nuts. wonder. I wonder, like the Justin Watson teams, and I could like probably like literally go look them up and see. But my guess is they probably are less likely to have had Sky Moore because mm-hmm. you you felt who's taking Justin Watson, a guy who got boxed out of earlier stacks. So you know, in some ways, just having like a Mahomes, like Mahomes, Kelsey, and not the other guys, and then you're like, oh, I need someone else. I'll take Watson. Ended up being kind of optimal last year, and that was yep. So you you played it. You got the expensive guy. We were actually certain about, you know, if he doesn't fall off with age, he's going to be a, a smash. He was a smash, and then you went and got the most uncertain situation for the cheapest cost. I think that could be the way to play it again this year. At least, look, it's one way to play it. You know, it's it's yeah. a it's a thing I want to mix in. I think. Yep, I I totally agree. Um, I did want to. We we mentioned Deshaun Watson. I just wanted to hit the Browns super quickly because i wouldn't go so far as to say the market is like oh yeah like completely all in quite like we were with the broncos but it's not that far off um deshaun watson is going in the 80s as the qb9 overall i don't think that nick i don't think that nick chubb necessarily um his cost really has anything to do with any deshaun watson hype i think it has more to do with the fact that he's Nick Chubb, maybe the best runner in football, and Kareem Hunt is not there anymore. But Amari Cooper is very expensive, and David Njoku is very expensive. And even Elijah Moore, despite the fact that he has done nothing in a year and a half or whatever, um, and I assume is going to be the just a full-time slot receiver given the fact that they drafted Cedric Tillman and have DPJ, the Browns are a, a, a somewhat uh, close to this idea of the Broncos. And Deshaun Watson was horrid last year. Yeah, I think we bad. all expect that that's not the real Deshaun Watson that we'll see this year. But we also don't know that, right? So what 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 are your just general thoughts kind of on the Browns in terms of uncertainty, how you feel about that situation, and then the prices? The prices are uncomfortable. Um, and I think in some ways they're – they're moved up a little bit by the Jets prices. I mean, it's it's easy to take Amari Cooper in the third round. And certainly if he falls to the fourth, then, you know, you're like, well, I already have Garrett Wilson here. You know, I, easy little combo. Maybe even have Garrett Wilson and Brees in the third. And then Amari comes back around the corner and you're, you're like running to the podium with Amari Cooper <laughs> in the early fourth. And I don't know that if you had like asked me, before the schedule came out, if I'd ever run to the podium with Amari Cooper in the early first, fourth round, I, I think I'd be like, I might take him. I don't think I'll be excited about it. You right. know? Um, so especially if you told me like, Oh, they play the jets outside. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, 
what uh. might be one of the best defenses in the NFL outdoors on New Year's Eve. Like, oh yeah, baby, wheels up. <laughs> that seems like an Amari <laughs> tournament winning game. <laughs> yeah, but you know, I think the thing with Amari is that I do feel pretty confident that he will be, you know, the number one wide receiver in kind of the classic sense of, you know, he's, he's out there running the most routes. He's getting sort of the most like first reads. Maybe, maybe ultimately we we would prefer to have one of the other guys. If if we do prefer, it's probably Elijah Moore, I'd imagine, but Moore is, I mean, talk about an uncertain situation team. I would say even more so than Tony, the team just like appear to give up on Elijah Moore. Even totally. though they got more in compensation, right? I guess didn't they? Or with the pick swap thing, it's hard to say. I guess they got yeah. less. Maybe they got less with the with the swap. I anyway, remember. um, they gave up on him, and like we've seen this type of stuff not work out very well for the player. If a team gives up on you after drafting in the second round, it's it's generally like a horrible sign. Uh, and like you know, we saw this with Anthony Miller. That'd be another guy, I believe, a second round pick as well. Yep. Um. And it's just like, dude, dudes are just like, sometimes these guys just continue to wash out. Once it, once the, that process starts, like it doesn't always go very well from there. You know, uh, Corey Coleman was someone very quickly was like, eh, this, he's not part of our plans. I just think it's a really big red flag when a team's like, he, this dude is not part of our plans. Um, as a young player, we're not sure how good he is yet. That, that is information. I think. So I have not been taking Elijah Moore very much. Um, also, because I think he he is a slot receiver, right? You have the Tony. How Correct. many routes does this guy run? And then it's like, and he's probably running them from the slot. And so I think he probably is, is really more capped than, than Tony in terms of like his overall upside. Uh, plus there's a legit outside wide receiver one there. And I mean, the tight end is obviously much, much worse, but. Njoka will get his targets, I think. Yeah. Um, and Donovan Peoples-Jones is like an effective kind of field stretcher. He'll be out there a fair amount. And they just drafted a, another rookie who's, you know, pretty interesting. He's a big-bodied guy. I mean, I could see – Could would it shock you if like week 15, Cedric Tillman's like playing big X, Donovan Peoples-Jones is on the other side, on the outside, is like a field-stretching Z, and Amari Cooper's in the slot? Not but at that, all. That, that might be kind of fun. I mean, but it sucks for Elijah Moore. So um, he's the guy that I'm like a little nervous about. I like going the super cheap round route and taking Cedric Tillman. He's available in the 18th round. I, he's a really fun. Uh, he's a third round pick. And so the the floor, I think, is pretty low with him. Fifth year senior type of dude. Uh, he could totally suck. But I, I'd like the price. And I like, you know, big guy from catching passes from Deshaun Watson could catch a touchdown for me. Uh, Njoku's okay. But I think Watson might be might be a bit underpriced, even though all of his receivers, I'm kind of like, eh, eh, eh. But I think a mobile quarterback, yeah, he's coming off a bad year, but he's young. He, right. We've seen the ceiling. We know how high the ceiling can be. I think they're going to be motivated to pass a little bit more. Uh, I think I, I like Chubb where he's priced, so you could just bet on the offense and go like Chubb, Watson – Tack on DPJ and Cedric Tillman or something. I think mm -hmm. that would be totally, totally viable. Or you could go uh, Chubb, Watson, and Joku and tack on one of those two wide receivers. Uh, I think, I think Watson, I don't think I have a ton of him, but he's definitely 
someone that like wor- would worry me if I went into the season. I'm like, ooh, I have six percent Watson. That's that could that could hurt. Yep, yep. I think that that makes total sense. I will throw out two other quick things. Uh, shout out, shout out to me, Jerome Ford, uh, getting steamed all all the way up. Uh, we've been, we've been praying on the Jerome Ford, uh, please God, don't bring Hunt back or don't, don't mm-hmm. sign Zeke or whatever around these parts for a while. I like to, I like to do particularly obviously in the big board, um, but even early in draft season, I like, I'm, I'm not a risk averse person. I'm very open to risk and I like to take the shots on the backups in the high value backfields. Um, and then you're going to whiff, you're going to whiff plenty, but sometimes we've heard good hit. things about Ford too. Ford is one yep. I'm like maybe a little bit more risk averse, although I've, I've kind of been looking at some stuff and I'm kind of rethinking, maybe I should be taking more, more home run swings in the late rounds. Um, but my favorite guys are, this guy has a job. This guy has, this guy has a job and yep. also he might be good and the offense might be good or run a lot. And in Browns, you get both, you get, they might be good. And I could be totally wrong about this. They pass more thing. I mean, Stefanski likes to run. So, yep. you know, you get, you get kind of everything with Ford. They could bring back. I don't think they're bringing back Hunt though. And they've no. they've talked a big game. Uh, Matthew Barry and his um, his combine rumors piece was talking that you know they they like Jerome Ford a lot, and we're going to just have him as the number two guy. I mean, we we've known that since the combine, um, or at least we you know there were rumors that that was the case since the yeah. combine, and everything since then has only reinforced that. So. Um, I think he continues to steam up because he's like one of those guys where we're going to feel like the clear, clear handcuff, clear handcuff. So I agree. Um, you're kind of, you're getting ceiling and floor maybe. Yeah. It, it, and floor that's in, in terms the, of this guy has a role. Role. Right. Right. Floor in terms like he may not touch the ball is the, is yeah, the yeah. floor, but he averages but, four points uh, a game and yeah, yeah that's yeah, or three. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. But he is a good example of the answer of being able to dive into the uncertain, right? Because quotes and stuff, you know, are, are just that right. Every day, Kyle Shanahan says, says a different thing about one of his quarterbacks. Like, you know, the quotes are, are just coaches out there uh, filling their media responsibilities, but uh, Kyle Shanahan doesn't even know if we're going to be alive, you know, uh, tomorrow. The difference is that when the payoff is really big and there's all that uncertainty, not every situation is worth diving into. For instance, I haven't, I don't really know who James Connors backup is. I, I, my guess is it's, I would like to bet the most on Keontae Ingram, but it really wasn't Keontae Ingram last year. I don't really know, but I'm also like Keontae hasn't made my list right over Jerome Ford or over uh, some of these, some of these other guys that go back there and that's racking and stacking uncertainty plays into this. And I'm willing to dive into the uncertain situations, but I have to figure out which ones I want to prioritize. So it's, it's never easy and straightforward, but Jerome Ford was kind of one of those winners of an uncertain situation so far. And I was just going to say, you know, who I was thinking about when you were talking about Elijah Moore and like the team giving up on him, but like he looked really good as a rookie. We were excited about him as a prospect, blah, blah, blah. I don't I don't feel this way about him as much as a as a prospect. He reminded me of Dante Pettis. Remember, mm. remember Dante Pettis as a rookie for the Niners pops up and you're like, you're like, oh my God, this is the wide receiver one, you know? Uh, they didn't have anybody back then. I can't even remember who was playing wide receiver for the 49ers back then, right? There was no Debo, no Ayuk. No, this is the team that they ended up bringing Emmanuel Sanders in Marquise on. Marquise Goodwin, maybe? Marquise Good. This is Marquise Goodwin popped up, right? This, this, 
these the guys were relevant. That tells you how bad the wide receiver room was. They had Trent Taylor back then. Mm-hmm. Um, but so Dante Pettis pops up as a rookie, kind of not anything crazy, but, but kind of similar to Elijah Moore. Pops up, you're like, hmm, this dude can play. And there's no real competition for him in that wide receiver room. And then he was also a second round pick. And all of a sudden, God, like, like Kyle was done, just done with him. Yeah, you know, he was he, done with him. He totally. This is why the there was some fascination about Brandon Ayuk when he was in the doghouse because we just seen him. This just, just like happened. End Pettis's career. I mean, Pettis was <laughs> Pettis was iced out and sent to sent to New York. I mean, it was it was, and it was it was like quick. It was like Pettis wasn't doing whatever he was supposed to do, or maybe just wasn't very good, and they were just like, "You're done." And yep. yeah, so it was a little. It was a little. Uh, little nervous little it made me a little nervous one night when that was happened to you but he blocked he learned how to block yes. and that, that yeah he, he figured out how to block out. and he punched fred warner in the face or whatever during practice and yeah, that probably yeah. and fred warner was like that athletes just sick individuals he was like excited about the fact that his teammate jacked him in the jaw you know? he's like I, i've Team been culture I've been, man there was that's what he was there was an oh it was actually a funny article where fred warner was talking about i've been trying to push Ayuk you know, to make him better or whatever. So he's just being a total prick at every practice to Ayuk. And it, it finally got Ayuk to just jack punch him right in the face. And that was like, he's like, see, he, I got him. He did what I wanted. I'm like, you wanted him to punch you in the face. That's a little <laughs> excessive, but um, just one or two more quick things. I wanted to get your, your thoughts on the rookies. Well, wait, rookie quarterbacks. We, go ahead. I, I don't want to. Yeah. I do want to talk about rookie quarterbacks. Um, but I just want to get your thoughts on a few more of these backfields while we're kind of oh, on yeah. that subject. Yeah, yeah. Let's because, do Because I, I think that this is one of the key things. I talked to Davis Maddock on, uh, yesterday about this a little bit. With, uh, but I this is something I've been trying to figure out. And, I, you know, going after those high-value offenses makes a ton of sense. But we have seen, you know, the other thing work where it's like there's no one on this depth chart. And it's a shitty offense, but yep. James Robinson emerges, Miles Gaskin emerges, and it's just like you just consolidate snaps, consolidate snaps. So that you don't there's kind of two ways to do it. You can either get a guy on a really good offense who emerges, uh, like Elijah Mitchell a few years ago. Um, but you, it's not just the good offenses that can produce these league winners. So I just want to like get a, a few more names out there on on late round guys. Josh Kelly was someone that came up when I was talking to Davis because he he fit kind of the P Ryan type of mold where he was used last year. He was fine. No one else was really used. You know, he he basically profiles as probably the veteran backup, but we don't really we're not sure enough to take him. Correct. You know, and I guess Spiller there would maybe be our Chris Evans, where it's like, well, they might use Spiller more this year. But it might Chris just Evans. be that you know, it might just be that uh, Kelly, like, they, has earned their trust. Of course, they could sign someone, which makes Kelly less interesting. But um, there's some of these situations. Like, Deion Jackson was was pretty good last year, got used a bit. Uh, mm-hmm. Zach Moss, I think, is gone. Maybe it doesn't matter. He's, he's, he's still he there, and they drafted we, Evan Hall. I drafted Evan drafted Hall Evan once Hall. or twice, but I think I might do some Deion Jackson after. We, we brought him up on Wednesday, too, and uh, I think I might do some, some Deion Jackson, but carry on. Well, yeah, and it's just oh, Gus Edwards was another dude who's like clear backup. There's really no one else. I mean, Justice Hill they resigned, but I, I don't think you have to worry too much about him. They're not really going to bring anybody else in probably unless there's an injury. 
Um, there's really not, it's hard to get that excited about Gus Edwards, but you could imagine him being, you know, if things broke his way, kind of like, uh, the, the 1A back down the stretch. Um, so there's, and, and, you know, he's very cheap and this offense could be pretty good. So there's certain situations where there's like a veteran who is like somewhat interesting, has shown a little bit, not shown, shown enough that we're not excited, but shown enough to where he might have a job. Yep. Um, which is basically the P Ryan thing. Yep. And so that's, that's one way. Yeah. As long as the offense is good enough, a Samaji P Ryan is actually pretty cool. Uh, you know, you could argue that Jarek McKinnon is basically kind of a Samaji P Ryan type of bet. Um, obviously much more of a receiving type guy, but you know, we were making fun of his dead legs a couple of years ago. <laughs> you know, we they were not that excited about him as a talent and, and at this point in his career, even though he once was very athletic. Uh, but and then, you know, you also have guys in some of these, uh, more on certain situations that are like Chicago, like could Roshan Johnson just take over that backfield? So mm-hmm. anyway, thoughts on like, who, who are you most excited about in these like uncertain backfields? Yeah. So the, the reason like I bring up uh, like brought up Ford and I've brought up, uh, like you mentioned Josh Kelly and stuff. Um, Gus is an, is another good one, but is because what we're, what we've seen uh, particularly this year, but uh, kind of generally over the last couple of years is, there's definitely a lot to be said for targeting the uncertain situations, but we'll pull up because we don't know the bears are a great one. Nobody's like that excited about the bears, like as, as a market, like it's a, you know, fields and DJ Moore is one thing, but, but we get three bears running backs that all go, you know, from pick whatever um, Herbert's like 120 now, 110, something like that down like to that, down yeah. to down to four. Kind of the last the of that tier. That includes yeah, like yeah. and everything. Yeah. And then down to Foreman, who I do think it's kind of funny that Foreman is just way after those other guys. But uh that's neither here nor there. And then you, you have but you, we have three Bears guys that go before the second back from these other offenses. Like you said, right. Gus Edwards is the clear two. Now, the reason why those other guys go is because there's we can tell ourselves the story that Dante that Foreman the one. is the one. Yeah. But what really generally happens is even the one on the bears is still in a committee. This isn't, this isn't Christian McCaffrey as the one, right? This is, it's, you know, okay, he's the one a and like Roshan still mixing it. A lot of times all three of them are going to play. Right. And so I have, I have been not avoiding those guys because I do still take some of those guys more. So actually Foreman just cause he's the cheapest. And I don't really know that he's worse than those, those other guys, but I like to dive into Ford um, uh, I, I won't mention, uh, uh, the name from the giants backfield, but pick any one of the giants backups behind Saquon. Saquon hasn't signed his franchise tag, by the way, yeah. uh, yeah. at like, there's a lot of, you know, a, he's been hurt. He's getting a little older. There's a lot of potential issues and we don't draft another giants running back, right? We don't draft the, the Colts thing. Jonathan Taylor is a second round pick goes near the one, two turn. No other Colts running backs get drafted. Right. And it's like, I like to dive into those because the cost is so cheap. And so it's not that I'm out on the bears because I will draft those guys too. But like, explain to me why no, why one running back on all these good offenses gets drafted and three, uh, you know, on, on like mediocre offenses get drafted. So I, that's just kind of how I, how I view it. Um, I'm, I play it kind of similarly to you mentioned with uh, not the same thing as with Tony, but with these other backfields, 
like the Bears, I'm really not taking much Herbert because I like the other guys around him on the other offenses at running back right there. But right, I'll use ADP value. I'll use certain drafts to make sure I don't have 0% Herbert because if he is the guy, I do think he can be really good for fantasy at that cost. Um, the Dolphins are another similar one. Like I probably am going to have the most Jeff Wilson because he's the cheapest yeah. and the most readily yeah. available for me. Um, but I'll take Mostert. You know, and A chain is similar that I'm okay with it. Uh, I don't want to have zero. Like A chain is like no, the, I don't want to have the zero. Tony. A chain is like this, the Tony of running backs. Like, oh my god, if they give this guy a bunch of the work in this offense with his explosiveness, like I could be buried. And I draft a lot of zero RB and hero RB teams, so like I should have that kind of guy in my portfolio. But he is a little pricey for me. Um, so, but I, Someone, but I don't want to have forget, zero. I'm gonna. This was cool on Twitter or something. I think it was like they're comparing a chain's role to like potentially to Debo Samuel's role. And I was like, Oh no, <laughs> like I'm so, I'm so the guy now. who broke fantasy. Yeah. Yeah. This is, yeah. That's, a, that's a scary thing. If you don't have much of him, like I don't for someone to say, yeah, remember what Debo did. We're perennial, perennially going to overdraft Debo Samuel because of what he did that, that one year as a rusher yeah, under, under this coach. Yeah. Um, so one guy, so this is like the, this is a gross, but if we want to talk about like, Clear number two, solid veteran, going to be able to hold off other dudes behind him, going to be trustworthy, has a history of earning coaches' trust. Devin Singletary is pretty interesting, Mm -hmm. right? He's behind a rookie or, you know, a second-year player, um, but a guy who, as a rookie, was good. But, like, Damian Pierce did not – he didn't actually rate very well in in success rate last year. You know, he's kind of more like he breaks tackles – he does stuff that we like to see that's fun, but mm-hmm. like as a pure like get what's blocked north south guy, he's maybe not that great. Yeah. And Devin Singletary is like also definitely not that great, but he, <laughs> <laughs> but he like he's on an offense that has a history of a rotation at running back. He has he's a solid pass blocker. Not going to get a rookie quarterback killed. Probably going to earn those third down snaps over Damian Pierce pretty easily, I would think. And then like, what if he's, you know, what if he's in a true 50, 50 split with Damian Pierce and, and, and Pierce is kind of like your, your early down explosiveness guy, but like Singletary is just out there more than we want. Like they're like, get it, get Singletary off the field. This sucks. But Isn't like that the that's, De- they're going to put that on his tombstone. Dev- Devin Singletary. He was just on the field so much more than we thought. Yeah, he's like he's like a, a rich man's Daria Goomba Wale. You know, <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't want to oversell Devin Singletary here. He's not very good. But it was you look up every third down, you're like Dare is out there. Like, what the fuck is going on? That's kind of when Singletary had that stretch run two years ago for the Bills. Right? It was Zach Moss ain't it. We don't really have anybody else. They're like, we trust him. You know, he's yeah. not very good, but we we trust him. That's I mean, that's how P. That's why P. Ryan has made this long career out of it. Nobody's like, oh yeah, can't wait to give Samaj AP Ryan 25 touches today. But it's like, he's not going to get our quarterback killed. He's going to be in the right places. He knows protections. He's going to get what's blocked for him. And that's good enough. Yep. And he's, I mean, he's got an ADP of 163 and a half. He's going right behind Deontay Foreman. So your second Houston guy is going after your third Bears guy. Yeah. Like those offenses might be pretty comparable in terms of the points mm-hmm. they score this year. You know, I, I wouldn't, that wouldn't you, shock me. 
did you know that Dare is on Houston when you said that? Did, did was that on your screen? He's on. Honestly, no, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't. I thought Dare might be done. I thought Dare was was out of the league. To be honest, <laughs> Mike Boone and Dare Ogunbowale are the third and fourth running backs on the Houston Texans. So yeah, yeah I feel I mean, pretty safe about Devin Singletary's uh, job. <laughs> me too. I mean, Ogunbowale has made a career of. Uh, he's a special teams contributor, and he can kind of be out there and do pass blocking stuff, but. You know, maybe this gets gross. Maybe they bring in Boone as like a third guy and they, they rotate it. But I, I don't think so. I think it's probably more Pierce and Singletary splitting this up. And he got hurt last year too, I think. Yeah, he did because um, he had his chance there. I, I, I bid on him on waivers in Denver. Mm-hmm. And didn't work. <laughs> did not work. Um, but I don't. I mean, that's one. I think right now, especially, I, I like these guys that have the clear backup job locked up. Jalen Warren is kind of going to continue to rise i think as people realize that like he is the obvious handcuff and like might i mean i think he's probably better than Najee harris straight up right mm-hmm. but we'll, we'll see if the coaches come to that realization or not um chuba hubbard is another guy i've actually been shocked that chuba has not risen a ton because like i feel like we're all sort of talking about him he's rising but, but i thought it would be a lot faster because he just felt like these other guys i uh, check 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 i like all these guys that you're you're mentioning but they were like Still, even though we think they're underpriced, they were like three or four rounds before Chuba. Chuba was available in uh, the, the 18th for a while, the 17th yeah. for a long time. And he's moving up, but it's not as quick as I kind of expected it to. And I, I feel like I'm missing something. <laughs> I mean, I this is to me, I think what you're missing maybe is like that the the, the team is going to be really um, complimentary of Miles Sanders and talk about him like he's a three down back. But he's not, you know, and I don't think you can't pay someone to to do something they're not good at. And you can't, um, you know, just like hype someone up into being a three down back if they're not a three down back. Like <laughs> right. he, he just isn't. And and I don't think Sanders is, is that good. I think Sanders is fine. But like in, in terms of who is actually just like a better running back, like I think these these guys are both like totally fine NFL running backs. I don't think, mm-hmm. you know, they're both like you're happy to have them. You know, they're, they're help filling out your room um, as a starter. Yeah. They're below average. But, you know, as a, as a number two, both are really good. I think I think she was a pretty good number two. I mean, he, he yep. flashed a lot last year. He, he was right there with Foreman in terms of what he was doing with efficiency and everything. So, um, you know, I think with with the Panthers, we're going to continue hearing that they love Miles Sanders. They plan. Oh, Eagles totally underutilized him in the receiving game. We love him. Three down. He's going to be out there all the time. Like. Great. I, I'm going to be betting against that all summer. Like that's just that's just not who Miles Sanders has ever been. Um, kind of a easy. That's just a real easy one for me. Uh, not to say like you can't ever take Miles Sanders. I have taken Miles Sanders. I think especially when he falls more to that like sixth round range, and you don't have a running a back. Overpriced. Yet. Yeah, I think he's a little overpriced. But if he falls and I need a running back, I, I'm he, he, I'm not xing him out. But I just you know he like. People have talked about the dead zone being dead. Like not when Miles Sanders in the fifth round, man. He is like <laughs> he is the prototype. He's the prototype. He's Mike Davis. He's Mike Davis. Remember Mike Davis? Uh uh the you know, where we're just like bad offense. They brought this guy in. We're so never gonna have up. a running back dead zone fade as easy as the Mike Davis one. That one was no. too that one was too good, but it's just it, wait. It's so it's easy. it is close. It's close to the Mike it's, Davis one. It's a similar idea. I mean, both free agent new guys that are are fine. Mike Davis was fine. 
right? He did it with the Panthers, ironically. Uh, you know, they're fine. But like that's that's the point. It's you're drafting this guy in the fifth round because he's fine and the offense stinks and they're so they're gonna get right. him the ball. Like that's uh that Chuba is a fun one. So I'll also fully admit bias. I've told you this before. Like I do watch a lot of college football. I play college football DFS is probably one of my favorite forms of of DFS. <clears throat> and so uh, these guys that pop up on there, you know, generally will maybe win my heart uh, a little bit. But I also have a, a definitely a bias, but somewhat of a belief in the guys that produce early in college and either like pop as a soft, like a true sophomore and can't come out yet, or maybe go back to school. So this is what happened with Cedric Tillman is that if mm. Cedric Tillman had come out the year before. I'm not saying he would have went much higher because he still kind of went high because the wide receiver class wasn't very great, particularly with bigger guys. But like, I think he would be viewed just generally a little bit, a little bit different if he had come out the year before Chuba was actually kind of like that as a running back as a sophomore, this dude had 2000 rushing yards, almost 2100. He was like one of the most fun college football players like that existed. He was dominant at Oklahoma state comes back. And I think it was the COVID year. Uh, was when he came back, got hurt. Plus, it's the COVID stuff. Only played seven games. He was fine, but like not anywhere near as good. Like the the team wasn't very good, and he wasn't quite as good. And you're like, Jesus, the guy was the best running back in college football as a sophomore, and then comes back and like, eh, not so good. And so like, I just latch onto those guys. The Sam Howell was part of part of why I like him. It was a little bit that way. You're like, oh my god, his sophomore year was unreal. And then the senior year, the team's kind of stinks, blah, blah, blah. It's like, I just like some of those guys. And I think we're seeing Chuba, he fell to a little bit in the draft um, and then didn't get much of a chance, obviously, behind Christian McCaffrey. And then, boom, gets a chance. And we're like, yep, yep, this is that talented dude that ran for 2,100 yeah. yards yeah. in the Big 12. Like, this is that guy. And I don't think Miles Sanders is that much different than than Chuba is. So uh, I, I, I don't agree. That's and, a different and, level of uncertainty, though, right? Like the uncertainty isn't in his role even or anything. The uncertainty is in that everybody has given Miles Sanders 90% of this work when like, is that really, is that really going to be the case? Right. And you get to make the bet. Again, the price thing is just so like, if I think these guys are fairly comparable as actual NFL talents, which I do, then I'm getting just a massive discount and like, yeah, I'm losing week one snaps and I'm I'm losing probably week eight snaps, but like (laughs) I could, you know, I could get, I think one of the reasons why like the talent stuff, I still think like talent evaluation matters a lot at the running back position. One reason I think that is that like, what is your contingency bet? You know, what, how does your contingency bet play out? Like Christian McCaffrey, right? Uh, provided he's he hasn't like lost a step this year. If he's hurt with um, you know, let's say hamstring or whatever, or some kind of like thigh thing, you know, not something that's gonna land. It's, it's not a high ankle sprain. Let's say it's a yeah. let's say it's a elbow, tweaked his elbow. His legs legs are still great. Okay. He misses three games. He's gonna come back and take back his job. There's like really no question that he's going to come back and take back his job. Even if the other guys are playing really well behind him. And a lot of the early round running backs are like that. You know, they're, mm-hmm. they're going to, they're going to get their jobs back because they're really talented and they're not like the, the backups aren't going to be able to change the coaches' minds in a big way. You know, like Nick Chubb 
again, provided he's the same Nick Chubb we're used to, Jerome Ford is not going to convince the Cleveland Browns <laughs> nope. that like we're starting the wrong guy. Like they're just <laughs> that's just not right. going to happen, right? So yep. when we say that Jerome Ford's like a contingent play, we mean like Nick Chubb has to be out for like that game, whatever game you need or whatever stretch or what like mm-hmm. like Nick Chubb has to be out or Jerome Ford has to like break off a long touchdown like you know on a, yeah. on a few touches. But I think when you when you look at some of these these dead zone backs, why it can be appealing to target the running backs behind them. Like Jalen Warren's pretty appealing because Najee Harris, we're like, he's falling to the fourth round sometimes. How talented is this guy? Like, we're not convinced he's that talented, even though we think he's going to get a lot of touches. Like, that's like a real red flag. The market is telling you, we don't even think this guy's very good. We just think he's going to get work. That's kind of a classic dead zone archetype. Najee mm-hmm. Harris, I would say, is, again, another prototypical example of a dead zone back. Um, getting the back behind him is pretty interesting because like, what if Najee Harris were to miss three games? Does he come back and take back all, all the work? Or is it more of a Joe Mixon thing last year where they're like, we kind of like how this was going. Maybe we, <laughs> maybe we keep the Jalen Warren, not to say Jalen Warren would be like the starter, but all of a sudden it's a, it's a 60, 40, you know, or it's a 55, 45, uh, still favoring Harris, but, but a lot more Warren involved. And I think this situation just strikes me as one where like, yeah, they're oh man, Miles Sanders. He's 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 so great. Well, you know, it's been a few years since they've they've hung out with Miles Sanders for any lengthy stretch of time. <laughs> yeah. You know, they might have like, well, this this you know this, this guy isn't the guy we remember. Actually, uh, he's a little older. And uh, after three games of Chuba Hubbard getting a chance, we think like maybe we just stick with this guy. He's doing better. Um, and I also think that Hubbard is is interesting because. Last year, he had uh, 1.55 yards per route run, which is pretty good. He had 0.98 as a rookie. He's at 1.20 for his career. That's like a pretty solid number. Um, That is basically like if you were going to defend Miles Sanders as a pass catcher, you would say he had 1.53 yards per route run as a rookie. Um, But Hubbard was, was slightly better than that last year. And Sanders is coming off three horrific seasons following his rookie year as a pass catcher. Uh, 0.67 as a, as a sophomore, 0.84, and then fell all the way down to 0.28 last year, which is like the worst in the league. If you look at um, the last three seasons in ESPN's open score, uh, not open score, their overall receiver ratings at the running back position, and just for comparison over the last uh, over the last three years, Christian McCaffrey's first, Kareem Hunt, Austin Eckler, Cordero Patterson, James White. So I think this like does a pretty good job of of capturing, you know, that that top five is is like kind of feels intuitive anyway. Yep. Um, you go down to the bottom of the list. Melvin Gordon is at 50th, Ezekiel Elliott 51st, Miles Sanders 52nd, Jeff Wilson 53rd. I mean, the guy's been the definition of a back who is susceptible to a back starting to eat in on the third down receiving stuff. So that's where I'm like, Hey, I'm getting kind of two cracks at it with a guy like Hubbard. Like maybe he just takes over the third down role and starts to, and then continues to push Sanders out no matter how much. I mean, I, I know I'm getting the the buzz all summer. Of, oh, they love him. They love him so much. He's so great. He's doing everything. Oh, you, you'd be shocked to see how good he's, he's doing in these receiving drills. Like uh, the Eagles just totally blew it. The, the dumb Eagles who don't know what they're yeah, doing. Just completely stupid blew it. Eagles. <laughs> the stupid <laughs> Eagles. I mean, I'm ready for a whole summer. I can't wait. I'm getting my popcorn out. I'm, I'm delighted. But I think, I think Hubbard, 
Uh, but to me, to me, he's a similar bet to Warren, and I, I like both those bets a ton. Yeah, the Panthers, who uh, overpaid Miles Sanders, overpaid Adam Thielen, have the worst wide receiver room in the history of football. Traded up to give away DJ Moore for a quarterback that, like, and, and Bryce is fine, but like, what's the yeah. difference between man Bryce who and traded for getting? Carson Wentz, Rip's team who traded away Carson Wentz. <laughs> This team, this team has four running backs just as good as as your running backs, and they make they all combined make less than Miles Sanders does total on his his contract. So yes, them telling the Eagles they're idiots is going to be very, very appealing. Let's wrap, let's wrap super quickly. Not on all the rookies, but just a collective because we we got a bunch of new rookie quarterbacks, and we get new rookie quarterbacks every single year. But I feel like this one is particularly interesting because I find myself. I'm curious how you are. Not very interested in drafting any of these guys besides Anthony Richardson, and we discussed uh, kind of some some pros and cons to Anthony Richardson at his cost mm-hmm. earlier. But I also am not sure that I'm effectively weighing the potential, you know, upgrade that a guy like Bryce Young is to the Panthers, that a guy like C.J. Stroud is over Davis Mills and Jeff Driscoll uh, for for the Texans and and those kinds of things. So. How are you? And an offensive at those? coordinator upgrade, I would say. Yeah. I mean, Pep Hamilton's whatever, but you know this this system, this Shanahan system, could could be pretty efficient. So, how are you thinking about? Um, let's let's just do those those Bryce Stroud and Richardson in terms of like what the what the team level impact is, um, because I think right the Texans are very cheap. The Panthers outside of Miles Sanders are very very cheap. The Colts outside of Jonathan Taylor and um and obviously ar himself are very very cheap and it's like we're all just assuming these teams still still suck but they have new really (laughs) expensive rookie quarterbacks if any of those guys are good there could be a lot of juice to squeeze out of this but the market definitely does not think so yeah and jonathan taylor's falling and i think you know he's falling partly because um the pass catching stuff is not going to be there for him but i don't know i mean he's I think he's probably the best breakaway runner in the league right now. Uh, Nick Chubb would, would have something to say about that, I guess. But um, I mean, he's an incredible talent and specifically as a rusher. I mean, what he does best is as a rusher, mm-hmm. he can handle a huge workload. Uh, I think, I think it could be a real bounce back season for Jonathan Taylor as a rusher. So I'm still into him. Uh, I like that he's falling. I mean, maybe I'll, I'll push it a little bit more and start to see if I can get, more of that like mid second JT and not around the one, two turn. But you know, I've, I think I've talked myself out of Garrett Wilson a little bit in this episode. So we'll have to, <laughs> maybe I'll just hammer Amon Ra. That's how I handle it. Um, yeah, <laughs> but uh, the really I, sneaky CD lamb and Amon Ra pairing, try that out. Nobody oh, will, nobody. Will oh, what? oh, they play each other. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I have done it though. I have done I it. Know, me too. You can't, I gotta yeah. have some of it. Come you on. gotta have some of it. Uh, the, we should next next week we should talk about ownership stuff because I actually think I kind of think we might disagree yeah. a little bit on this ownership stuff. So that'd be a good topic. But um, the yeah, the the Colts, I mean, I, I don't love Pittman. I think Pittman is uh maybe stands to get hurt the most from a quarterback who's gonna, you know, not have a ton of passing volume. He's kind of more of an intermediate type of possession guy. But I do still take some Pittman because he's he is falling a bit. He's in a range where I don't love the other receiver options get to a point where I'm like, am I taking Pittman or JSN? Like, I mean, yeah. Pittman's going to be the number one and maybe he, maybe his a dot increases, 
you know, he, he was okay. I think he's a rookie at a bit of a higher A dot, uh, and then it came down, and he was okay. So uh, I don't want to be out on him. And Alec Pierce is kind of my favorite way to play it, that he'll be out there running routes for sure. And he was he was pretty good as a rookie. He wasn't he wasn't great, but he's more of a deep threat. I still believe he's a really good deep threat. I know he wasn't amazing last year, but like I can't get again. I have biases. I'm human. Okay, I can't get watching him in the college football playoffs cooking up uh, Alabama like corners and and safeties and stuff and getting wide open. And this is also why I hate Ritter. Ritter Desmond Ritter was his quarterback, and the dude's wide open in the college football playoffs, and Ritter is tinkling down his legs and doesn't even look downfield <laughs> and uh and get pierce get pierce the ball so i think pierce can pierce can play and he could be the right archetype to fit with with ar yeah, he's the right archetype, for cheap. yeah yeah Pittman, by the way had a 10.38 out as a sophomore that's what i was remembering he's he's mostly the 8.8 career he's mostly been more of kind of a even an underneath ish type of guy but more more of a possession type of guy on the outside um but maybe that maybe you know 10.3 a dot is would be pretty interesting with with anthony richardson but anyway that's kind of how i'm playing josh downs um i would take is like a last round guy i'd be happy to get him there but like i think that the market on downs and hyatt has just not corrected like they were they were drafted in the third round they're not who we thought they were in terms of prospects Mm -hmm. um the nfl's told us that and we're like yeah shut up you know, like why is Cedric Tillman totally free and these guys are still kind of where they were pre-draft? So I, I sometimes will take downs if I – because sometimes I'll just go, I'm going to take Anthony Richardson and get Alec Pierce later. But then if I that doesn't happen, I have taken downs. Um, or I, I will sometimes double stack it if, if I get and get a good price on downs. But I also have taken a lot of Jelani Woods, and I think that could end up being bad because uh, his routes might not be there. But – Big man could catch another pass. Uh, could catch a touchdown pass from another big man. It just it just seems fun. You can't hate on him because of the price um, and the position, of course. But he definitely feels very much like one of those guys where clearly, look at he's huge, he's athletic as hell, um, and it's Kylan Granson and Mo Ali Cox that are in his way. Like nobody cares about those guys, and so you can just tell yourself like, oh yeah, like this dude. Look at all the upside. But like then when we get to the end of the year next year, like you said, he ran 30% of the routes and yeah, it could easily be, I would say like, it's probably, probably the most likely scenario is that he's like, it's like 45, 35, 20 for those three tight ends or whatever. You know? Exactly. Malali Cox is going to play cause he's a blocker. He's a yeah. beast of a blocker. So the other guy's got to figure out how to chop up the routes. And last year, you know, it was a little more grants and a little less, a uh, little less uh, Jelani and maybe that flips or something, but we're still looking at like a three way tight end committee, which probably. is not a lot of fun. Yeah, I like the I like the Panthers stuff though, and I like the Texans stuff because both those guys are are cheap. Um, basically, I'm betting on all three of the rookies. Although I don't think that you have to like. So one thing I did in a draft recently, I think this was in the Chow Chow. I've done one Chow Chow. I think this was the draft, but I I got kind of boxed out of quarterback, and I had Daniel Jones, um, and then I had. Uh, I think I've maybe took Stafford. So I'm like, Oh God, I did the thing where I've got the guys in the same game. Don't love that. But I then took, I I took Jonathan Mingo and then I took DJ shark and I didn't then like take Bryce young way ahead of ADP because the way the board lined up, I had to either take him way ahead of ADP or risk missing him. And I was just like, I'm going to risk missing him. And 
I did miss him. And I think it's fine. Like I kind of, I don't mind going, I do a lot of Carolina stuff where like I, if I get Bryce Young, great. If I don't get Bryce Young, who cares? But just like a competent quarterback who's keeping the offense moving could be really good for a number of different players on Carolina. And they're all very cheap. So, and I feel the same way about Stroud, although Stroud goes so much later than Bryce Young that right. I, I end up with him more. Um, I maybe shouldn't say that. I don't, I think my exposure are probably pretty even, but it's just easier to, if you're like, oh, I think I'll get Bryce Young. He gets, he gets sniped from you a little bit more often um, compared to Stroud. I think Stroud, if you, if you want to line up Stroud, you can usually get him because also he gets into a range in the draft where you're like, okay, great. I, I, I'll take him at 159 instead of whatever, you know, 160s ADP he's got. I just really like uh, kind of what you said. I, I actually don't take those quarterbacks a lot, but I am targeting those teams. And um, and and I, I don't want to say I won't end up taking those. It's just how it has played out so far. And my also my exposures are a little wonky because I haven't drafted a ton and 40 of the like 80 teams are these kind of experimental <laughs> yeah. teams. So it's, it's probably you got you to gotta sort those out, man. Well, yeah, you, yeah. your tools can do that. Yeah, we can we can do that. But like I haven't drafted a ton of other teams. So like I don't even want to use just like a set of like 15 teams to to say here's what here's what I'm doing in drafts. It's like no, like okay, I'm like one percent of the way to where we're gonna be later. Let's not get overboard. But uh, my kind of take on on those teams, mostly the Panthers and the Texans, is basically what you said, where if you want to take those guys, yeah, but by, by all means they're cheap, really high, highly drafted rookie quarterbacks. That's generally a pretty good thing, but I also don't feel like you in order to profit off of the, what they bring to the offenses, you don't have to draft them. You can just draft right. DJ Chark, Jonathan Mingo, Hayden Hurst. I also like the Panthers cause I can bet against Adam Thielen. It's like a double, like it's like, okay, Bryce Young's going to help improve too. this, help improve this offense. And I know I don't want to draft Adam Thielen. So I got all these other cheap guys I can take as like a, another way for me to get there. The Texans are a little bit trickier, um nico collins is definitely the clear guy and uh and uh, part of one of my experiments was i said uh drafting hyper fragile teams and you'll find nico collins being a linchpin in the 130s of a uh you get to round 11 or 12 or whatever and it's oh shit my wide receivers suck here's nico here's nico collins um but the texans also look really interesting to me. I, I think you can make a case for Dalton Schultz. If CJ Stroud does elevate this offense, if he, if he, if he can take all the routes, that's an issue of course, but we've kind of seen him do it in, in the past. John Mechie is a, you want to talk about uncertainty. He might be the most uncertain player, like in the history of fantasy football coming off, yeah. um, you know, that illness. Uh, but second round pick doesn't really have any competition in front of him, Right. Um, and then the, the dusty Robert Woods it does. Because he's got what he, there's Woods and and um, Tank and Tank Dell. So I, it, you, I mean, how, this is a super yeah, uncertain situation. Those? Yeah, how are you playing those outside of Nico? How are you kind of playing the, thinking about the Texans' offense? I've and the I've running backs most because you talked about those already. Yeah, I've mostly been doing Nico, Singletary, and Stroud because I'm like I, I like Stroud as a I, I checked and I'm at nine percent Stroud. I'm actually. 14% young. So I am taking more young and I like young better, but um, Stroud is so much cheaper that you can go, well, I'll tack him on as my quarterback too. If I have an elite or whatever, but I'm not, I haven't been taking a ton of Mechie new coaching staff. And I guess that doesn't matter. Same GM. Like, so maybe, maybe that doesn't 
impacted it quite as much. Um, I wasn't super psyched on Mechie as a prospect, although, uh, you know, it was a second round pick. And then, but Tank Dell coming in, I'm like, these guys feel kind of duplicative. So which one's going to be, you know, and, and I don't know. I have just been kind of leaning Dell. Stroud asked for Dell. That seems good, you know. Yeah. But uh, Tank Dell is kind of an interesting prospect. It's just really small. So I probably need to mix that one up more. I probably need to take more Mechie and just like spread my bet out. Because I think, you know, and I like Nico Collins a lot. Uh I'm a big fan of him. I, he's he's going to be, yeah, I've got 22% of him in my post NFL draft stuff on underdog. Um, so I'm clearly pretty in, but that is an uncertain situation with the, the overall pass catchers. I mean, it could easily be the case that like, look, I mean, Woods isn't that old, you know, and he's coming off an ACL tear and it's two years ago now that he had the ACL tear, but we're doing, Stuff for like, oh, Godwin was better at the end of the season, you know, with his ACL tear. Whatever Cooper Cup, one of the reasons that we probably weren't as excited about Cooper Cup entering his breakout season is that he was coming off an ACL tear the previous year, right? Like, we didn't realize just how good he was because he was still getting back from injury. Mm-hmm. So, now I'm not saying – I'm actually I'm actually slightly nauseous making the comparison to to breakout Cooper Cup with, with aging Robert Woods. I was but just going to let you keep going. I was just gonna I, yeah. see if we can get a clip uh, here. Yeah, let's clip this up and ruin my <laughs> my life. Uh, Robert Woods is 31 years old. He's now two years removed from an ACL tear. He's he's entering uh, an offense that should be you know pretty well designed. Uh, he's with a rookie quarterback, so he's not gonna have like a great year or anything. But I do feel like there could like he's not feeling to me. Like feeling's actually, I think maybe like significantly worse at this point in his career than Robert Woods there. You you'll never be able to convince me that Thielen is not completely and utterly stone dust. I, there's nothing, there's no data. There's no, there's no film. There's no nothing. That's going to make me think that he is completely like still a competent wide receiver. You, you, you could convince me about that with Robert Woods. You kind of, you kind of are right now. So I agreed that I do. I would not treat them the same. So ESPN's open score. Uh, Robert Woods last year finished 15th among uh, wide receivers. He so uh, just behind. So thirteenth uh, was Garrett Wilson. Fourteenth was Christian Watson. Fifteenth Robert Woods. Sixteenth Drake London. Seventeenth Jamar Chase. Eighteenth T Higgins. Uh, tied with Amon Ross St. Brown. He was in like a pretty good cluster, of dudes. This was not. Uh, this is not a guy who's like I think maybe complete dust. I've taken some Robert Woods. I'm actually convincing myself to take some more. Uh, I forget what his contract was, but it wasn't uh, nothing, right? By the way, Adam Thielen was wide receiver 52, uh, you know, meaningfully worse. So, and his yards per hour and everything have just like cratered. He's kind of flashing all the all the signs of a guy who's basically dust. Uh, he's also uh, turning 33 in August where Robert Woods turned 31 in March. So he's he's essentially two full years younger than Thielen. Uh, and this is kind of a, a range of the career where it's like a 31-year-old receiver versus a 33-year-old receiver historically has been like a pretty different bet. Mm-hmm. So I think if you're, if you're into dusty wide receivers <laughs> in uncertain uh, receiver rooms with rookie quarterbacks, 
let's take some Robert Woods, huh? Let me he put down that Adam Thielen. That's a yes. That's a thirteenth round pick, man. Let let me show you something I got in the back. I got in the twentieth round. I can give you some Robert Woods. <laughs> Honestly, a better bet. I I mean I I'm I'm wrong about plenty of things, but Adam Thielen's price, one thirty four ADP, is like one of the most absurd things I think. I, I, like, I guess the wide receiver rush is so crazy that people just don't know what to do after like I, I keep I use that Bateman you know, that Bateman line like honestly once we get past Bateman it's like everybody's just throwing right well, let, well let's throw all the veterans you know uh, let's throw the kitchen sink at the way <laughs> Juju and Jacoby Myers right and uh and then we'll toss some Chiefs in there and we'll toss yeah. Thielen in there and we'll toss because we just don't know what to do right there so that's probably driving it and you know he has a name and a potential role but um I, I, I agree. You've kind of talked me into a little bit of, of Robert Woods. Uh, he did sign a two-year $15.25 million contract with $10 million guaranteed and uh, incentives that can take him up to $17 million over these next two seasons. So uh, uh, it's a pretty, it's a pretty real good deal given what he did last year. He can't really be cut. He's got $10 million in dead cap, which is about twice his cap hit this year. So he will be on the team. Yep. Um, you know, it's sort of a similar thing to Thielen where like Thielen, so Thielen signed 14 million guaranteed, $25 million contract over three years, which is an absolute travesty uh, to, to hand out to a 33 year old wide receiver. I, I mean, again, like <laughs> keep in mind, we're going to be hearing, oh, Thielen, he's so spry, he's so smooth, getting open at will. You know, we're going to hear all of that stuff. And, you know, I that's just like, to me, I, I'm just going to be happy to fade that like, there's there's a lot of noise in in training camp. Generally, teams that bring in free agents and uh, and draft guys like like those guys and are going to talk them up and stuff. Everyone except Kyle Shanahan. <laughs> Kyle Shanahan yeah. is going to do the opposite. Everyone else is going to hype up their new guys. Like that's just what they do. Yeah, yeah. So yes, I am aware that Adam Thielen signed a, a big contract. I know that it has guaranteed money, and I'm going to fade the ever living ever living shit out of him. And I can't wait. I mean, the guy. I mean, he's just. I think he's just done, you know, and I don't think, I don't think money can fix being dust. You know, you can't, you can't uh, pay that away. So, I mean, just so as a, in his prime 2018, 2.1 yards per out run drops to 2.08 drops to 1.86 drops to 1.63 last year, dropped to 1.08 playing alongside Justin Jefferson. I mean, that is, that is brutal. That's like the type of efficiency that we like write rookies off for. You know, that's like that's like reevaluate level of inefficiency. And again, was not getting open particularly well. That's kind of what Adam Thielen's really supposed to do, right? He's not ever been like super explosive. He's more of a technician. Right. And by the way, he's turning 33. Like it's not like, oh, he's coming off back a bad year, he'll bounce back. I his price is there's been a couple people nominated. Uh I know Davis Maddox's been nominating people for worst. Worst guy on the board. I think Adam Thielen's worst worst value on the board. Not particularly close. Yeah, I I, I think so too. He I there are I'm becoming less of a I'm taking a hard fade on guys. Um, I guess I'm I'm getting older and maybe less stubborn or whatever. I have a handful of guys I I really like to flag plant, and then just a handful of guys I really want to fade, and then everybody else kind of fits into how much are you going to draft of this guy? And Thielen is going to be one of the very few like. I don't care. He's not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not taking him. I don't care. I'm not drafting him. He's going to be 
a hard a hard fade. Um, but I do think I'm glad we talked about those couple of situations because they're a little bit of a form of a different level of uncertainty in that we also have this this path in these offenses where we don't really know who it is. Like we're assuming it's Nico Collins, but it could be Robert Woods, it could be John Mechie, it could be Tank Dell, it could just be Dalton Schultz, it could be, you know, we we don't know. It could be nobody because the offense stinks, but it also could be. I don't know. What if Stroud's good? What if what if Robert Woods bounces back? What if Schultz is actually good? What if Tank Dell's good? What if Mechie's good? And the next thing you know, this offense is just much better than we expect it to be, too, right? There's like all these forms of uncertainty around around these kinds of teams. I'm more bullish on the Texans, even though I like Bryce Young better as a player than CJ Stroud. I think the collection of kind of talent and the way that they spent their money is a little better in, in Houston. I'm, I'm not a big, we just talked about Thielen, but even then like Mingo and Hurst and DJ Chark and uh, Miles Sanders, I, I just can't really figure out what the Panthers were doing, but also that's my personal bias. That doesn't mean that I'm right either, you know? And so these two offenses have uncertainty in who the heck is even going to get the ball on Houston, who is going to play. We don't even yeah. know exactly who's going to run routes. And then we have uncertainty into like, how good are they? How bad are they? How, you know, where, where do they rank? And those can be really appealing situations. I think a lot of the times people will, instead of embracing some of that, people will go the opposite way. And they'll say, I'm just going to, that offense stinks. I'm going to fade them. Or I'm only going to draft Nico. Cause I know, you know, I know what Nico is. And like, oftentimes that's not, that's that, that ends up not being the way you want to play it. Um, and that's the way that a lot of other people play it. And so you're you're doing the same thing everybody else is doing and not trying to to kind of exploit maybe a potential gap in the market. And usually it's on like like last year's Texans, right? With Davis Mills, like we don't really have paths to Davis Mills taking this offense to new heights. This year, these offenses, I mean, these quarterbacks, this is not Davis Mills. These are these right. are good, deep, young, talented quarterbacks. So I do think it's different. Yeah, and I think like I think in both cases you got offenses. Like, there's different versions of bad offenses, right? Like there's bad offenses that are going to be very inefficient at scoring points, but then also like might be sort of ambivalent about scoring points. Yeah. You know, like unless, mm -hmm. you know, we're talking about the, the very end of the season where Lovey Smith really wants to stick it to the Texans. <laughs> they're, they're not like even trying to win that bad. You know, it, it's like they're, yes, of course they're trying to win. But what are they really trying to do? They're trying to not get embarrassed. Mm -hmm. You know, friendly losses are fine, right? The Bears last year played for a bunch of friendly losses. Don't get us fired. Let's not get fired. Correct. Let's figure Run out the we're going to get them tomorrow. Shorten this game. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Shorten the yeah. Shorten the game. Exactly. Limit the number of plays run. I mean, we're going to see this out of Tampa Bay, I think, a lot this year. We're going to see this out of the Cardinals early on in the season. Just Definitely. get us. Let's go home. Let's go home. Oh no, we lost by seven. What a bummer. Let's and then meanwhile, you're you're kind of kind of smiling a little bit if you're <laughs> if, if you're running one of these franchises, I think. Because you're just trying, you know, they're trying to keep your job. Um, obviously they're not gonna uh fire the what's the dude's name? The the not Steichen or Steichen, Shane Waldron. Uh yeah. Yes. Yeah, Shane Waldron. Yeah. He he's he's not gonna be on the hot seat right away, but like um I think if you're if you're bowls, you're you're thinking about that a lot. You're thinking about how do I not get embarrassed this week? The Panthers and the Texans have graduated from let's not get embarrassed to let's see what we got. Let's see what we got in these rookies. So I think mm -hmm. you could have 
again, maybe the rookie quarterbacks hit, maybe they don't hit, but I think there could be pieces on these offenses that are fun. You know, I think the offense as a whole could could score points, could hang in games, could stick around, you know, could be kind of like a frisky team down the stretch, maybe like, oh, the Panthers, they're not going to roll over, you know, or the same, same, you could say the same for the Texans, right? Like the, the Bucks, two like, worst divisions, roll two over. worst divisions, two worst divisions, all include AR is also included in this conversation. These are the two worst divisions in football, probably bar none. Um, Jaguars, you know, the very clear favorite on the AFC side. The Titans are, we could record a whole episode about the disaster that is the Tennessee Titans. That's another one. That they could easily be playing for friendly losses. And I like Burks, yes. but, I mean, we could be looking at very low play volume out of the Titans. And like you said, these other teams have kind of graduated out of that. The Panthers in particular, all of their moves are in, like the Texans, yeah, they did Robert Woods, uh, but like they really didn't do a lot. They're still very clear, like, in a bit of a, a, a rebuild now that like you said they're going to try to win some games for sure. Um, but they didn't do anything like totally crazy in terms of uh, c- kind of trying to win too quickly. When you pay miles Sanders and Adam Thielen and Hayden Hurst and DJ Chark and all these guys, like the Panthers are, I, I think trying to win. And I don't even think that that's wrong necessarily. That division is horrible. They could absolutely win that division. And the thing that's always been the most exciting to me about the Panthers, like real life football is they put together like some really talented, uh, like a, a collection of talented defensive players. They got all got banged up last year. And you saw what happened when Brady, when Brady just throws for a million yards on him because everybody was hurt, but their, their defense, they've loaded up draft picks on their defense and their offensive line, which is like kind of really smart actually. So now they yeah. just said, we're pretty good actually in those, those spots. Let's just go get these veteran guys to give Bryce, uh, you know, some weapons. And I, I don't know that they even gave him any weapons, but I think that they're trying to win is the whole thesis of, of the thing that you don't have to worry about that with these teams. I don't think, but even like last year you did with Carolina, they were trying they run the ball and let's get the hell home because you know, we, we can only throw it to DJ more so many times. None of these other losers can get open and it's Sam Darnold as the quarterback again. They, they didn't care to win. Yeah, no, I mean, they, they wanted to win, but if they also lost by three, like, okay. That's yep. fine too, you know. Exactly. It's not as bad. It's it's like one of those things. Like, I'm again. I'm not like questioning whether or not they were like actually playing like competitive football or throwing games or anything. What I'm saying is, the risk of losing by 14 was not worth it to those type those staffs. And, and my read on it is that like they're they're trying to tighten games up. You know, let the ball bounce a couple times. Hopefully, it bounces our way. If it doesn't bounce our way, so be it. But we're not going to go out there and go toe to toe with people and risk getting blown out and then you know getting fired mid season. That's not. We're not trying to be the Colts here, you know. I'm not gonna. I'm not trying to get replaced by Colin Coward, uh, you know, <laughs> as the as the new head coach. You know, just hire whatever yeah. ESPN guy. <laughs> yeah, that, I had honestly totally forgot about that too. What a what an absolute shit show. But uh, we we have we have. Wait, can I do one more? Long. I know we're over two hours yes. now. Can we do one more because yes. I think actually this one's pretty interesting. Okay. So. Uh, we talk about worst value on the board. That got me thinking, is there anyone else that, that comes to mind? Um, and I really do think that, that Thielen is going to gonna stick as my pick for worst worst value. One guy that, that I am really behind on ADP uh, is Odo Beckham. But even though I, I think I'm even further behind ADP on Odo Beckham than I am on Adam Thielen, I would say he's not a worse value than Adam Thielen because there is that small chance that he's actually, you know, recovered from the ACL now. He's mm-hmm. young enough. 
he he was at his peak better than Thielen. Uh, that was a long time ago, and he's probably never going to be that guy again. But there's like a chance that he is actually pretty good still. Um, he's not that old. What is he? He's uh, 30 years old. He turns 31 in November. So more the Woods type thing than the Thielen type mm-hmm. thing. Might have a little left in the tank. And tied to not a rookie quarterback, but Lamar Jackson on, on a new contract in an offense that might be passing the ball more. So to me, Beckham is one of those Tony types of dudes where I'm like, I don't like this price at all. Yep. Do I want to completely fade it? I don't because the times it hits, it could really, really hurt me if I don't have any. But there, you're also looking at Zay Flowers there. You're also looking at Rashad Bateman there. You've got three wide receivers who are going in the late single-digit rounds, and they're all going to be competing to be the number one wide receiver on what could be an explosive offense, and which could mm-hmm. be a... Not, I would say, pass first offense, but they could be a balanced offense. They could be, you know, more like in the Dolphins. No, I mean, not quite the Dolphins. Let's say, you know, maybe slightly behind the Rams in terms of their, yeah, yeah. like approach to the game, pass rate over expected. Um, yep. The Rams were so bad last year, they passed a lot. But, but, you know, like that's kind of what, like, kind of how the Cowboys approach things, like that, that level, not like full blown Bears, Falcons, you know, more, more from, more of a balanced approach than we've typically seen from the Ravens anyway. Yes, Mark Andrews is the number one pass catcher there. But, you know, to get the number one wide receiver, even if he is behind a tight end, like a tight end isn't generally going to hog as many targets as an alpha, as a top receiver right. will. So there is still a pretty – It's being the number one wide receiver behind a number one tight end is still better than being the number two receiver in a lot of cases. Exactly. Uh, even yeah. Travis Kelsey – doesn't demand the same level of like like we look at Travis Kelsey you know as the the epitome of what an elite alpha tight end does he's a 24% target share ish guy right. generally um right I think that's what we projected him for this year which is which is big but like that's not stopping Rashad Bateman or Odell Beckham or Zay Flowers from being you know it's not stopping Kadarius Tony from being an absolute smash in fantasy I'm right. really glad you brought up Odell because I feel also we definitely need to talk about uh something that we disagree on next week because now we just keep agreeing on all these these players and stuff. But Odell and the, the Thielen thing is so true because I would I would almost guarantee the same thing is true for me that I have Odell further in my ranks behind ADP than I do Thielen. But I will draft Odell and I will not draft Thielen. And it's because of everything that, that you said. It's also this goes back to reminds me a little bit of uh, like the DJ Moore conversation and the fourth round wide receivers. Now Odell's going one ten overall. Zay's going around ninety, and Bateman is is continuing to to move up and I may pass Zay at a at a certain point ninety four. So you got Zay at eighty eight, Bateman at ninety four, and Odell's now down at one ten one eleven. So I think he's going to continue to fall because I think everybody has he was going ahead of those guys. And that was like agreed. It's absolutely, crazy, man. Absolutely. I think he still is on DraftKings, which is just so don't do this is not DraftKings advice. This is under this is this is underdog. He's now fallen past that. I keep saying that Bateman line into this just sea of nothingness. At the Elijah Moore, the Elijah Moore sea of nothingness. Yeah, exactly. Oh, so it's next to him. Juju, Odell, Alan Lazard, Tyler Boyd, Jacoby Myers. Darnell Mooney, stop me when I say someone that m- makes you excited. I take they, I take Myers sometimes. I'm like, yeah, but the veteran wide receiver like- going to be running, going to be running routes, and 
I think he's actually pretty good. And what if Adams were to get traded? What if Adams were to get that, traded? I do. I should probably take some of him because of that. That after Devontae comes out, and, without saying the words, "You brought me fucking Jimmy G." That's basically what he said to the to like. I he's don't. He's looking with at direction. Jimmy G. and he's looking at Myers and Hunter Renfro, and he's like, "I am <laughs> fucked." Yeah, this what just happened? What just these guys? He's gonna just, love these guys. He's like, I just got traded to play with my best friend, my college quarterback <laughs> last year. It went great. I caught a billion passes. I was still Devontae Adams. And then they brought in Jimmy Garoppolo to replace this guy and a bunch of dudes who fit everything that Jimmy Garoppolo does. when, he throw, when he throws The Jimmy the Garoppolo defenders in shambles after Devontae Adams takes one look at him and demands a trade. I mean, I, I think I think he might be a product of Shanahan. I don't know. <laughs> If the, if the best receiver in the NFL is like this fucking guy, a guy who gets who... open almost immediately knows it's not quick enough for Jimmy G. <laughs> or even if he's even if he's open, he's too far down the field because Jimmy ain't throwing it all the way down <laughs> yeah, there. That's right. Hunter Renfro just sweet. Yeah, exactly. Renfro that. doing his quadruple deeks or whatever that you know he got famous for <laughs> on all the, the highlights. Uh, but. That uh, I, the sentiment is like, let's look at that list of wide receivers there, where Odell sure. is now yeah, going, yeah, yeah. Yeah. and uh, and he makes sense. You can now get some of him. You know, you drafted Lamar. Maybe maybe you don't get Andrews Zay or or Bateman. You still have kind of a backstop with with Odell, and you know, I still like Isaiah Likely and all that. But uh, as a wide receiver, you still have a backstop with Odell. And there is a story, like you said, in which you can tell. I mean, Odell was still good on the Rams when he was when he was on the Rams. He was he was not Odell Beckham, but he was right. still good. Yeah, still he, good. He was still yeah. he was still good. And so, like, you can tell yourself that story. It feels gross because, like you said, my in a vacuum take is like I it's really mispriced. Don't draft. It's definitely mispriced, yeah. but yeah. it's yeah. But uh, we have to take all the other things into account, right? Uh, if if I'm deciding between him and and this J- Jacoby Myers not, nonsense, then like I think I can at least tell myself a story. I shouldn't have zero, basically. Well, Whereas and if you Thielen, have Lamar, you know, if you've got yeah. Lamar and you didn't get Andrews, and the other thing I think is interesting about those guys is that like I think there's a pretty good chance that one of them is a smash, you know, because they're yep. in a range of the draft where you don't need them to be like week in week out stars, right? This is where Garrett Wilson was an absolute smash, you know, and Garrett Wilson had a few amazing games. He also disappeared at times because Mm -hmm. uh, Zach Wilson was back on the field, you know? And uh, (laughs) there's, there's kind of a, a, an inconsistency that you can live with, with Garrett Wilson when he's going in like the ninth round. And I think all of these guys, you know, could, could deliver, you know, somewhat similar types of game logs to Garrett Wilson. We probably aren't going to, aren't going to feel that they're uh, like incoming superstars because they're not doing it with terrible quarterback play and overcoming it. They're doing it with Lamar Jackson, but that, you know, Lamar Jackson and this Monken offense, they, there could be more passing volume. I think Lamar is a pretty good passer. even if he's an amazing runner, so, you know, there's, I think, potential for someone to come out of this pack and be like, oh, you, you know, you're, you're scrolling the, the draft of saying, you know, does this team have, does this, you know, when you look sometimes back at past ADPs, uh, past draft boards, you basically look to see like, did you get this guy in this round? Yep. Is what I'm yep. trying to say. Yep. And uh-huh. <clears throat> I've talked about this before. 
to the point that I almost didn't explain what the hell I was talking about just now. But that's what I'm saying. You sometimes when you go look at old draft boards, you're like, did you have digs right in the in his first year? With did the you take like, Andrews in the fifth? Did you take Cup? Did you take Jacobs yeah. last year? Right. Did you take Garrett Wilson in the ninth? Like that, yeah. there was like one guy in the ninth you, you basically wanted. I mean, there's there's a couple other guys that were fine to take, but like you wanted to see Garrett Wilson in the ninth, Ramondre in the tenth, right? You know, you want to keep yep going yep. down and see that guy. I think that there's a good chance one of these guys ends up being being that guy. Um, and I think it comes at the expense of the others, probably, but maybe not, maybe not entirely. Like I could see like a Lamar triple stack actually paying off. Um, I don't mm-hmm. think it's like the most likely thing, but it's priced where it could happen. And certainly it could happen where one of these three receivers plus Andrews plus Lamar is an absolute smash. Absolutely. And I, I kind of want exposure to definitely the the two young guys. And and that's why I'm not willing to write off Odell because maybe he does emerge as, as the top guy there. It's possible. Yeah, it's not Im- it's not impossible. And the top guy in that offense is going to be a lot more valuable than um, the top guy, you know, for for the Panthers. And it just it's just how it projects. Uh, maybe Bryce Young will be, you know, that could be wrong. Bryce Young is is the new Drew Brees or something, and he takes this offense to to great heights, and and that will be wrong. But I also like uh, to to put a bow on this one. You can get Zay and and Bateman and I like because like you said at that cost and it's the end of this huge wide receiver tier like I don't need to hit like I, I don't want one of them to fail and one of them to smash but also if that happens like I'm still good and I'm covered on on both of them I can there's multiple paths to winning with both of those guys it, it, you could win with Lamar without Lamar you don't have to have Lamar you build a you drafted Tyreek and and uh and waddle and tua or whatever oh, yeah. you can oh, yeah. double tap double tap those guys at that at that spot too there's just they fit so many different they fit every structure right zero rb they can be closing out some of your wide receivers hyper fragile you're like oh my god i need <laughs> i need these guys they fit correlations lamar stacks other stacks everything they just fit so perfectly and so i i love that tier specifically we're, we're now looking we're now looking at uncertainty of whether or not this pod will ever end but uh, the, it's just, it's a really interesting thing. You talk about the bringbacks there because like, let's say you have Tyreek and Waddle. Okay. And you get Tua, and you now like, there's, you need that, like that has to pay off. Like those guys have to yes. crush. Not only do they have to crush, but you're going to need one of them to hit your, your lineup in week 17. Most likely. I mean, I suppose there are outcomes where that doesn't happen, but it's very unlikely that yes. both guys don't hit your final lineup. So there are points in the Dolphins and the Ravens in the scenarios where you're winning the 3 million. You want to bring back on that game. I think it probably does make sense to go double bring back and you're giving yourself two outs to hit, you know, you get Zay, you get Bateman. You might feel like I'm, I'm like hurting my ceiling. I need to pick the guy. But I guess like the way I think about that is is more like you already landed on the right game. You already landed on the right guys on the other side of the game. You're sitting there. It's week 17. Both those dudes have scored touchdowns. Both of them are nearing in on 100 yards. Two is having an incredible game. And you're sitting there like, like I've told you that. You have both these guys. This is your team. 
I'm like, what do you want on the other side? Do you want Bateman or Flowers or do you want both? I'd be like, give me both. both. <laughs> like, Every time. I want both, man. Like, give me both. They could both hit. I just, I want, and I want one of them to to score the points and hit my hit my lineup. At these prices, your eighth round pick doesn't make your final lineup in week 17. So what? Doesn't, that's not going to be the end of it. It's what you need is someone else from that game to be in on the fun and scoring a lot of points. In fact, you're actually hoping, even if you do take both, that one of them fails and one of them crushes. So you want all the points to to go exactly. to the other guy, right? But I think, I think, and I guess someone could could say this is wrong, and and maybe in a in a big enough field, like if as the field sizes increase, maybe this would be wrong. But I think in best ball mania in a 441 team field, um, I think you would would prefer to have both even if you knew that this game was was shooting out and you know maybe even if you knew that only one of them was going to hit i still think i said give me, give me both then because i i i'm gonna get that guy in my lineup like oh my god like i They're i also, just need i'll burn that eighth to get that to get that uh sweet bring back right and there are also other benefits to it too right uh the week 17 part is the most important part and like you said in a total like people mistake uh, correlations as to always raising your ceiling. And a lot of the times they actually don't because the the pure ceiling, the pure optimal on any given week might be a quarterback to a wide receiver. It's possible. There's a bring back on there too, but a lot of times it's just random shit, right? It's random. It's completely yeah, it's random. random one off. Yeah. It's just whoever scores the most points. The correlation is what allows you to beat your opponents and get less things right. It's not necessarily about what's actually raising your, your pure ceiling, but from a seasonal sense, even if you don't have Lamar, you can bet on both of those wide receivers and it can be a good thing, right? Cause now you still have placed a seasonal long bet on these, these Ravens. They one the same thing could happen over the season. One could be a smash and one could suck. That's fine because you got the smash the, the, the smashes are what win anyway you're going to have duds. Every, everybody's going to have smashes. duds. you could they could both be good of course they could both be bad but that, that's that's just it, that's any any player could could be bad they could ping pong weeks right and then that's also what could happen in the playoffs you get to week 15 and 16 and zay flowers has big games so then you bateman doesn't do anything then you get to week 17 and now you have both of them. Zay's a little chalky, right? Because he just had a back-to-back 25-point weeks. And now you got Bateman, right? This is T. Higgins. I, I'm not trying. This is T. Higgins versus Jamar Chase. I'm not trying to say they are that next thing, but like two years ago, leverage. You're talking about leverage. T. T's 25% owned, and Chase is 6% owned in the final because T went off. If you drafted both of them, you were able to get there easily, and you had the 6% owned guy that went for 50. Right. And so you're creating natural leverage by pairing them to you're setting yourself up to have leverage just by drafting them them together. Again, will it happen? This is the same thing. No, probably, probably not. But most of these things are not probably going to happen. The the two is probably not going to throw for 500 yards. But if he does, I want to set myself up in the scenario that now I'm going to win this whole damn tournament. Right. Uh, and that's yeah. everything that we, we and you've already bet on him throwing week. for 500 yards, right? Not maybe 500, but you've already bet on him having a huge game. And so it's like he is having a huge game now, right? In this world that you've made, he is having a huge game. Given that knowledge, what else do you want to do? And that's a situation where, like, that is maybe where I would want to take Odell Beckham, you know? Yeah, because absolutely. 
He's in a he's in an dude. This is the game to have. I just spent my first two picks on this game. Like, you know, I'm I maybe attack on a Gus Edwards because there's like there's points scored in this game. I know there's points scored in this game. That that I, I know would. for a fact because otherwise the team's dead. So who cares? Exactly, exactly. That's a it, it, people miss that. I think a lot of the times it's like we have to understand is your team's probably going to be dead anyway. And the questions of, well, what about this? The answer to the, what about this? You know, what about this guy had a bad game or what about this? Like you lost and your team's you just didn't win. That's the, the answer yeah. is you lost. Guess what? Most of us are probably going to lose. So plan around. I just got lucky. Now, how do I win this tournament when I got lucky, right? Getting lucky is you found the game. Congratulations, Tyreek and Waddle. That's what you needed. You found the game. You got them with Tua. So now how do you build the team for you just got lucky around that? I need the 3 million, right? I, I don't want right. to get lucky and get 16th. I want to get lucky and win the whole thing. Um, and I think that's, that's the, that's the biggest and most important part of all this. And that's the, it, it actually does. We weren't specifically talking about uh, uncertainty, but that's kind of what it is, is targeting this, this uncertain. Do I need both these guys on, on, on the bring back? And it's like, yeah, I, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna take both of them because I don't know. I don't know. And there's pads, right, there's know. pads, there's pads to, uh, it paying off regardless of if one of them. I don't know, but a... I do know. I don't know who's going to yeah. score, but I exactly. know that this game's going to shoot out. Because if it doesn't shoot out, then I've already I've wasted the twenty five dollars. So yeah, <laughs> it, so it has to shoot out. The game has to yep. shoot out now. <laughs> I think that the the, uh, the Dolphins Ravens one's the easiest because in a lot of cases you literally have spent uh, your your All first two your picks. picks. Yeah. I mean, in some cases, you could have spent your first three picks, right? If you go double bring back. Well, in this case, you you definitely want because if you went uh, Dolphin, Dolphin, Lamar, you're gonna then you definitely want both. You definitely want the the receivers later because you don't have Andrews and stuff. But yeah, anyway, I like I I like uh, the I'm just gonna steal that phrase. I don't know, but I do know, which is it, it actually is very true. That's what this you you have no idea, but you know this one thing. I know yeah. this one thing. And once I know that one thing, now how do I build? It's a time machine, right? I... Once you build that team, it's a time machine. You're, you've taken yourself to week 17. Everything has gone your way to this point. It's amazing. You're crushing. But what else do you want have want to have done, you know, with the rest of that team? You know that one thing, but what else do you want that team to look like once you've transported yourself to week 17 and you're watching it all come to, holy shit, that, that, that stack's actually doing it. It's actually hitting. What else do you want? You know, and I think you want to build that's kind of the that's like the ultimate kind of draft like you're right type of thing where it's like draft like draft like you're having the best Sunday of your life uh in early January next year. Or I guess it's New Year's Eve. So it's New a hell Year's of a New Year's Eve, Eve yeah. for you. That's that will be a hell of a New Year's Eve for somebody. <laughs> uh <laughs> honestly, yeah. I, I, now I'm not sure if I want, I'm not sure if I, I definitely still want to win. I'm not even sure if my wife will want me to win because she won't. Well, you don't know, right? Me. You don't know until that's the true. Day. So it's, Monday, a, it's a yeah. sweat. Oh dude. my God. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Then definitely that's <laughs> the worst New Year's <laughs> Let Eve. Let me tell you, Hey, advice for me. Uh, if you're in first place, uh, <laughs> closing Sunday night, maybe just skip the Roto world, uh, recap podcast. You don't got to host <laughs> that. You don't, <laughs> you don't have to host that while you sweat. I, Isaiah likely having scored an early touchdown. <laughs> yes. Yes. It might might uh, might be a total dagger to close the game. Just just uh, see if Rotopack can cover you for that one. I, just I advice from me. I also think I will be skipping the family New Year's Eve, you know, get together if I'm sitting on three milli heading into there because I will be uh, 
it wouldn't be it wouldn't be a good time for them let's just say it wouldn't be a good time for all my friend, friends and yeah. family just but let we, loose we do, and forget forget everything yeah. and, i'll just sit and in my basement in the moment. and just yes uh, just uh yeah the dog my dogs my dogs would enjoy it a lot more than my parents would let's just say let's just say uh my state of mind at that at that moment but we do got to get out of here from this marathon uh podcast that we yeah, brought to you guys but it's, but i yeah now seriously. week 17 I'd like to get, have a time machine for two and a half hours ago uh, to, to, to remind, <laughs> to, to, to tell ourselves today. to not talk, yeah, to tell ourselves we do have to get some work done uh, before we get out of here. But I did actually really enjoy the conversation and I have a lot of things spinning and we already figured out what next week's subject is going to be. Maybe something we can uh, uh, disagree on a, l- a little bit more, but uh, bef- before we get out of here, I should have said this at the top. I need to remember this. So if you have anybody still somehow listening <laughs> to, to, to this, I'll remember moving forward, I promise. But if you are a Legendary Upside subscriber and you subscribe to Spike Week, you get 40% off. You can subscribe to the monthly package. And for as long as you stay subscribed to both of them, you will get 40% off. And if you want to subscribe to the NFL package, which is $300, you'll get 40% off there. So uh, for for, obviously all promo code leg up obviously all of pat's amazing content that he already produces at legendary upside and you can combine it and come bring it over and uh, do some best ball drafts with the spike week tools um like i said i really gotta remember to put that in at the beginning but was there anything else that you uh you got coming up well if you're uh thinking about signing up for spike week um or maybe if you did sign up for spike week under the new pricing right then you can you can sign up for leg up and you can get access to this 40% uh, discount from Spike Week. And you get a $30 discount off leg up right now. That's running for uh, just through the middle of July, through July 18th, which is a, a special date. Because um, that's the date that I drafted my team. So through July 18th, I'm offering $30 off. Uh, that takes the price down to $69. You can get that at legendaryupside.com slash early. Awesome. We will be back um, probably next thursday to record uh an episode on some some ownership some projected ownership some player combinations and all of that fun stuff we will see you guys next time legendaryupside.com spike week up spike com. check out all that make sure you take advantage of the link in the description to get your your discount on your subscriptions and we will see you guys next week Those were some spicy takes. Want to stay up to date with all of the other spicy takes we're going to have over here at Spike Week? Why don't you press that subscribe button below? You turn notifications on, we draft a team, boom, you know about it. We have another spicy take, boom, you know about it. You can be there. You can draft with us. You want to stay up to date? That's how you do it. All right, we'll catch you later next time here at Spike Week. Spike Week.